Yes, now I'm doing the doing the hushing the studio audience. Oh my god, we have a studio audience. We do. Well, we've always the, had a studio audience. Well, it's quite always, weird. But for a very long time, we've had at least Jenna or Zoe. Yes, That's true. That's true. But, but it's weird. Be, They're sitting behind us. It, it is be, weird. Yeah. It used to be Phil back in the day. Oh, that's true. And so indeed, pretty... I went back and listened to episode four when it was Harvey. Oh, so did I. The growing up in the background. Oh, <laughs> bless his little heart. Mm. Oh, less about that, you know what they say? Spoilers. What's that? Episode four. What? Four? There was a guest host on episode four. Oh, there was. Was there? Yes. Yeah, there was. There was. Oh shit! I suppose we might have like spoiled it now because like we'll have heard him. Because I've just been talking. No, no, that's me doing a silly voice. That's just Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Should we start the show so we can do the reveal? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. And welcome to World 1 Stage 1. We are back after a bit of an absence. Uh, I am Simon, and joining me, as ever, is Jack. Hello there! Irish. Hello! And joining us, not for the first time, but the first time in a long time, is Rob. Hello. (laughs) 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 That was was a very different entrance to the one you made on episode 4. Meow! I would. Uh, I'd actually, first of all, like to begin with an apology. Um, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Salami. This is to uh, seven years ago, um, <laughs> and it was seven years ago. It was seven years ago. Yes, that's right. Um, I, I, I said a very what I can imagine to be a hurtful comment to Captain Salami. I'm not entirely sure. Does he? Do you know? <laughs> I'm guessing no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I called him a, a bad name, and because uh, I, I, I thought I'd go back and listen um, to a, uh, a few of the uh, episodes, just to, you know, do my research. So I thought I'd start off with uh, episode four, Doom. Very, very enjoyable episode. But uh, yeah, I, I, I called him a horrible name. I also need to make a second apology, which is to the entire population of Coventry. <laughs> But wait, wait, wait. For going there or for leaving? For the, the, those two reasons, yeah. but also for calling every single one of them inbred. <laughs> you did And then that. you went and lived there. <laughs> then you, you called them all inbred. And, wait, most people would not even think, move to Coventry. You insulted everyone in Coventry, <laughs> then moved there. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of how it happened. Um... No, I had I had been there for a little bit. I think I think, I think I you had been, there, which is why you had such strong opinions. That's it. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about the war as well, yes. which <laughs> still have a chip on their shoulder for. Yeah, I've done it again. <laughs> I was pointing out you had gone to Coventry, which is literally the place we send people we don't want to know right. anymore. 
It's, That's all, right. it's all Siberia. It is, it is like the Siberia. The, the Siberia. The Siberia. Not to be confused with Siberia. Yeah. I think it's the same place. I think it's good oh. that we start with apologies. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... <laughs> anyway, I'm glad we got that out of the way, because I, I listened to it and I thought, what loutish behaviour. And also, I'm I'm just munching on marshmallows for most of the episode, rustling the wrapper and <laughs> talking with my mouth full. You it's know, awful. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, our professionality hasn't exactly become stellar since then. Well, we reached a point where we... we our, our professionalism did steadily rise from that point to, to a point where I was taking a lot of time and effort over editing and... And, and making things sound great, and actually doing research, and and then somewhere along the line, I realised we'd get more episodes out if I stopped giving a shit, <laughs> uh, and that was almost true. Almost so yeah, <laughs> so our professionalism sort of tanked again afterwards, uh, and here we are now. Basically, the reason we do this live, industry secret, the reason we do this live is now it's live to tape, and what you hear is what was broadcast, and that means I don't have to edit. Woo! Wait, that what? is the whole reason we do it live, so I don't have to edit the show. <laughs> oh, that's clever. Yeah. I, thought was, I thought that was to, like, curb our enthusiasm to shout rude words, or... Oh, like, no, no, I still do that. Or political slogans. It's good, because it, it kind of... It does make you feel like there's a bit of a spotlight on you. Um. Yeah. Don't look around. I mean, like a, a like a, a metaphor- like a metaphorical spotlight okay. to make to make us behave. <laughs> you mean Simon? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have Simon no metaphorical spotlight. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, if we're going to be opening with apologies, I might as well carry on with what I was doing through most of last week, and that is apologize to Europe, <laughs> um, for the United Kingdom. And I would also <laughs> like to apologize to pornography. From the United Kingdom. Why? What have we done? Oh, I heard about oh, that. Oh, did you not see? Uh, no. Yeah, wait, wait. This is this is news about porn. It's so really, I should have seen something about it's it. It's ridiculous. They have banned a list of specific acts in British pornography. Okay. Including spanking. Right. Caning. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, penetration with any object associated with violence. Which, if you listen to a lot of statistics about rape, that could include the penis. Um, oh yeah. Mm. Any uh, oh, what was it? It was um, abuse, physical or verbal, regardless of consent. Uh, so again, you know that could be all <laughs> pornography, depending on who you listen to. And I'm, uh, and I'm really, really got to admit, I do not like the sound of the words "regardless of consent" yes. appearing in any fucking anything to do with the with, with sexual intercourse between people. Well, in this case, I mean that's. No, I can absolutely see where you're coming from, but that isn't the biggest problem here because they're saying yeah. it's banned even if consensual. Yeah. Which is sort of the opposite. But the, yeah, the but at the same time, it's, yeah. Is that they, I mean, yes, I, I'm completely angry that consensual kinky acts have been banned, but what they specifically banned was face sitting, also known as, you know, <laughs> cunnilingus, and yeah, female yeah. ejaculation. So women enjoying themselves. Banned yep. from British pornography. Yeah. Well, we've well become Australia. That was that was the, the 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 pinnacle of it all, really. That is kind of yeah. In fact, as I put it on my Twitter, it's uh, not content with having recreated the economics of the Victorian era. The <laughs> government is now working on bringing back the morality. Wow. So. I was going to suggest some kind of face-sitting march, but I don't exactly know how that would work. Well, so one of my friends did recommend a sit-on. 
<laughs> Brilliant protest. I like that. That is wonderful. It is. Oh, man, that is phenomenal. That is one of the political things that I've been getting riled up about recently. Mostly it's been Gamergate. Yeah, I don't. You know, I've I've been out of the I've been out of the wars for a bit. Uh, I had a really interesting experience the other day, actually, when I I made a parallel with UKIP, um, talking to a gamergator. Okay, because they were talking about the harassment patrol, which I fucking hate, and listened to the episode of Do Ask Do Tell I was on, where I ranted about that to find out why I hate it so much. But I basically pointed out that Gamergate's harassment patrol is like UKIP saying they're the only party in British politics that bans former BNP members from joining and the rest of the world pointing out they're the only one that needs to. <laughs> At which point, UKIP tweets just started flooding me, and I was like, oh god, I've got Gamergate and UKIP going at the same time. <laughs> You're a fucking hero. <laughs> it was horrible. I'm just imagining you at the end of Blues Brothers, Simon. <laughs> Being chased by Nazis and the army and the police, and there's a big pile up like that. Wow. But yeah, it's uh, this is the other thing of getting more involved in the sort of London indie game scene is I've become slightly closer a follower, if not uh, associate of people who are, you know, directly getting attacked by Gamergate. And it's become yeah. even more horrific to watch from up close. Well, if worse comes to worse, you can always hide in not a mosque. Indeed, yes. Oh my god! Find a building that looks a bit mosky, and they won't come. To yes, <laughs> a bit mosky. <laughs> Be that the, the the pavilion in Brighton, or indeed Westminster Cathedral. Oh, oh. Westminster Cathedral. Oh, oh god. Oh, that's amazing. You kipper, amazing. Um, yeah. are, we, are we? Oh, and one more apology. I would like to apologise for taking so long to get our Agents of Shield episode out. It's sort of, you can tell, listening to it, that Marvel hadn't announced their film lineup. Um, oh, when, yeah. When we did the show. Yes. So yeah. that, it was great it's listening, because that was one of the ones that I listened to to prepare, and I was sort of listening to it going with almost a knowing smile <laughs> as I heard you discussing the possibilities, and I was like, yes, you're, you're close, you're close. In fact, I think you nailed a few of them. Oh, Captain Marvel, I definitely said I, I wanted and got, so I was very yeah. pleased with that. Black Panther, we were... <laughs> Uh, pretty sure on as well. Mm -hmm. Civil War. Yep. So yep. yeah, we did pretty well. You uh, did really well, actually. Thinking about it. Yeah. Well, it was the thing. It was literally like the week after we had to record that episode that they were like, "And here's this and that. Here's all the announcements." Yeah. Oh my god, a Marvel the new Steam. Oh no. Oh, yeah, <laughs> this actually, no, that's great because Katie Sackoff uh, as Captain Marvel. And there we go. If they are the new Steam, I've just made it happen. No, they, didn't they already <laughs> announce who's playing Captain Marvel? Uh, if they have, I haven't seen it, and I'm oh, looking. Okay. I, I can't. I can't remember. Um, it might have passed me by, but yeah. So yeah, Marvel. Um, I, I literally can't think of a, a ridiculous demand to put on them now. <laughs> I think yeah, they just they've thrown everything. At us, Give Pixie know? her own movie. That would be pretty boss. But they don't own the yeah. X Men. Oh shit! Um, Squirrel Girl. I was going to say Squirrel Girl. I want Squirrel Girl film. Damn I right. honestly do. I think at this point they could do it. Uh, and get away with it. I think I said that in that show, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah you did, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, cool. So They have started a Squirrel Girl comic. She's got her own title. Marvellous. Good. Marvellous. Although, speaking of Disney-owned movie franchises, right. yeah. we've all seen the teaser, right? Yes. I, I, saw it, I saw it yesterday for the first time. I've seen it about 400 <laughs> times today. 
Okay. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, have, I have staked this claim repeatedly already, but I'm staking the claim now. The Sith with the lightsaber as Gwendolyn Christie. She walk it, it, he, she walks in a similar fashion. That's exactly what I said. It looks like her playing Brienne walking through a forest in Game Absolutely. of Thrones. Absolutely. It's, it's Gwendolyn Christie. We've got our first on screen female Sith. Which is Ooh. awesome because she will bring she will bring such gravitas to uh, that oh, role like that. First, be... first on screen female Sith in the movies. The yeah, movies. in the movies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that will be fantastic. Can't, I can't forget Ventress. No, <laughs> yes, this is great. But <laughs> no, first in movie female Sith. Yeah, and it yeah. makes sense that they've given her basically a great sword lightsaber because that's what she's yes. trained with for years in Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Um, I actually really like. I know there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of negative sort of uh, feedback about the um, uh, light hilt, the the oh, hilt, the, or no, the, the light the uh, guard, oh, guard. Cross, guard. cross guard. That's Quillens, right. Um, from their technical term, Pit, was it the pinions? Pins? Pinions. Yeah, <laughs> but I I feel in a way. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I was pretty sure that there was a Ralph McQuarrie conceptual design of a lightsaber that did have um the sort of lightsaber beam crossing as well hmm. uh, to you know and it kind of makes sense you know to protect the hands it yes. makes perfect sense um, yeah. my my view of it is it's a space sword made of laser <laughs> yes get the fuck over it yeah, um, yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I see i was looking at it going that i'm sure a lot of people were like that's ridiculous i was looking at it, that is like the first thing I've seen in all of Star Wars where I go, that is a perfectly practical and sensible option. <laughs> <laughs> like the nitpicky nerd in me says the T piece at the end of the hilt is a bit much and really the light should come from much closer to it if you actually want to use it as a guard. Yeah. It, yeah. But the Star Wars fan in me goes, it's fucking laser sword. Pew pew. And it's boss. Vom vom. <laughs> it's fucking Star Wars. Um, speaking of, <laughs> oh man, now that is a cool man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people getting over it, though, did you did you guys happen to catch the um the little kind of note that uh, I can't I can't think of his name, John uh, Boy, Boy, John Boy. Yeah, about, about getting over it as well. Stormtrooper. Yeah. yeah. Get Storm used Trooper? to. It. I didn't see that. Yeah, essentially because there, there's been a lot of well racists um, <laughs> having a go saying that there's a black stormtrooper and. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I always assumed, and I don't really like acknowledging those films that apparently happened before <laughs> episode four. But um, no, no, after. Uh, what? Well, episode four is made in seventy-seven, and the films happened after, but they were set before. I'm talking about the story, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! That was literally the most far away, dead looking. <laughs> Passive aggressive. Yeah, um, Jack. Jack, you got to remember. Rob is the Star Wars guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh God, uh, I always but I, I always sort of assumed that even if they, they were clones, okay, I assumed that by the point when we reached New Hope, that the Empire had just it began enli enlisting. They had. Yeah. That's not even an assumption. It's like, that's they, 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 yeah, absolutely. Let's face it, on screen, Leia's response is, aren't you a little short to be a Stormtrooper? Not, aren't you a little not Jango Fett to be a Stormtrooper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that and they is, are, if you look, yeah. at, look at New Hope, they're all different heights. They are yeah. different heights, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they're all different builds. I mean, 
all different voices. They haven't even yeah. gone back and done a re-release of it with Django Fett's actor voicing all the stormtroopers. Give them yeah. time. Give I, them time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I know it's not like uh, I forget how Star Wars canon <laughs> works, but um, well, it's different now because Disney yeah. have thrown out all the canon apart from the movies, so which it doesn't is... matter. But I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense, which is in, in Battlefront, in Battlefront 2, specifically the storyline mode where you play as, uh, the, well, you play as Vader's Fist, the 501st, and yeah. they mentioned that, uh, that because of the number of losses they had after the Death Star was destroyed, yes, um, that they literally just went, right, well, we can't really keep this up anymore, and we don't really have the tech, we don't have the, the, the resources to keep cloning people, so they had a draft. Yeah, and we know the Imperial military is recruiting because right away Luke wants to join the Academy. That's the first thing we know about him in the film. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And all we, all we need to know for certain is that I, I think it's I think it's a safe assumption that all stormtroopers are human. Given the massive xenophobia of the Imperials, yeah, yeah that's probably yes. fair. Yeah, yeah they, they, uh, they, they are. Um, but anyway, yeah, he released this brilliant note because he seems to be... He is... is as excited as if one of us had been cast in this film, I'd yeah. say. Like, he is losing his shit. Like, he can't... Bl- and, and now that people have seen what I feel is a brilliant first look at his character, because uh, it's... I thought, as a teaser, it was really kind of... Had a really unexpected kind of beginning. Well, <laughs> it just well, sort think, of pops up out of nowhere. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. think about, like, um, you look back at a lot of claims, a lot of a lot of um, criticisms that could be leveled at Star Wars, the arena, the, the New Hope. Mm. Uh, and in, sort of throughout the whole thing, no prominent black characters, and you get Lando coming in, and then, yeah, yeah, then yeah, Lando yeah. is evil, but then he's good, and <laughs> yeah. so on and so forth. Um, you Lando. And the exactly. thing is, uh, yeah, a lot of people say even when they brought Lando in, they gave him Han Solo's clothes. They, they yes. just made clearer they were just dropping him in as a Han replacement if necessary. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, you mean uh, you know a lot of these criticisms could then be labelled, and then you have Jar Jar as well. But let's not really linger too much. Don't. <laughs> the only thing I'll say about Jar Jar is Jar means moon in Gungan. Means what? <laughs> moon Moon. Who brought Moon Moon? <laughs> um, but the fact that you know you could level those criticisms at the original Star Wars, and the fact that this new teaser trailer, the first thing we're seeing of the new Star Wars in motion. Is a black man. Yeah. That is fucking awesome. Yep. And, and he's the star, basically. And if we've got John Boyega and mm-hmm. Daisy Ridley as the lead, so that's a black man and a young woman. If we've got, like, the antagonist lead is Gwendolyn Christie. And all the stuff I've seen suggests she is going to be at least a prominent antagonist, even if that's not her. Hmm. Well, right away, this is looking like a much more interesting cast. Yeah. It might even make me want to go watch it. I think it, I, I as soon as I saw it. I mean, I've 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 always been a little bit worried because of things that have happened before, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not going to discuss um, about not getting callbacks. Yeah, <laughs> shut up, man! <laughs> it hurts. It really hurts. You got further. They didn't even. They didn't even email me or call me to reject me they just went dark they kind of oh man although i did meet a cyberman whilst queuing (laughs) okay which in the tradition of world one stage one as i've come to sort of believe is that segueing is the sort of 
thing. We're a little early for the segue, but it's a lovely your, foreshadowing. Your, your timing's off, and you're trying to take my segue away. <laughs> Hey, hey, I brought you, you into you this world, I yeah. can take you out of it. You just burned me about my not having a Star Wars callback, man. All right. I deserve to we, steal we your square? toys. We square? Uh, we good? We cool? Uh, yes, we're we cool. are shaking hands. We're cool, we're cool, we're cool. Oh, yes. Nice. Anyway, yeah, I did meet a guy who played a Cyberman, and it was very cool. Nice. If we're going to talk about trailers, uh, it was the Jurassic World. Oh, God, let's not talk about Jurassic World. Oh, why not? Spielberg spent so long asking if he could, he never bothered to ask if he should. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good reference. Yeah, I, I, I feel kind of the same in a way. It's um, made a genetically engineered super dino. As soon as they said it. He's like, yeah, it's a T-Raptor. Unless they are segueing into Weyland-Yutani-style evil corporation dino bioweapons as a plot point, I'm not interested. All right, they're going to turn, gonna However, turn Jurassic Park into Dino Crisis. Yeah, if they do that, I'm in. Uh, Simon, you do realise you're saying I'm in when they stop, they take the numbers out of it. You're saying they're taking the numbers out of it and employing some kind of weird hybrid monster in the fourth instalment of a franchise and you wanted to go a bit Wayland yutani <laughs> No, I wanted to go a bit Wayland yutani Sorry. It was Wayland- the name of the corporation in the first film. Yes, sorry. And it's the, the, the first break of canon in Aliens and every everything in the alien universe ever since. But basically, what you're saying is, you want it to be alien resurrection. No, I'm saying I want them to go in a good direction with it. That's the opposite of alien resurrection. You might actually be happy then, because I I swear I read way back, and it was, um, I think it was, I think there's been a, there was an attempt to make Jurassic Park 4 earlier, and I swear to God, I read a synopsis where it detailed... A T-Rex with a fucking laser cannon on its, like, back. Um, I can see why it was shot down. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, but, you know, it's... <laughs> also, but at the same time, they should just take that concept and use it to make a live-action movie of Dino Riders. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. oh man, I want to watch a live-action movie of Dino Riders. <laughs> that would be amazing. I haven't seen that show in... Oh, I think I watched that show. Speaking of trailers, Iron Sky 2. Oh, Red Sky. Sky. No, no. Um, Next race. (laughs) Oh. Uh, It's the Hollow Earth theory. Oh! The the reptilians and the Hollow Earth. (gasps) The trailer has reptilian Sarah Palin going to visit reptilian undead Hitler riding his pet dinosaur blondie in the Hollow Earth. Oh my god! I didn't even know they were making the one. I thought they were, I knew they were making another one, but I thought it was going to be Red Sky. I thought it was going to be like a whole Red Alert Soviet thing no, going. No, no, yeah. they went a different direction with it. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> Down. That was the joke. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love. I love jokes. I'm following. You following. Have to explain. They're my favourite kind. <laughs> so yeah. Um, have we all just seen trailers? Then is that? Is... Well, no. I went to see Interstellar. Oh, so did I. And I really want to do a whole show on it. Okay, so... But not tonight. Okay, should we not talk about Interstellar? I really want to say it, so yeah. (laughs) The wonderful thing about doing an episode about Interstellar is we could do it at any time. (laughs) True enough. Uh, Now, what I will say about Interstellar now is it's great. It is the second Nolan film I like. Wow. Uh, And like the last Nolan film I like, I really, really like it. Um, It's so good on IMAX. 
I can't yes. even begin to describe because it was shot in IMAX. Largely. Yeah, was it was shot partly in IMAX, wasn't it? In... Mostly yeah. in IMAX. There's and the scenes that aren't shot in IMAX are very cleverly done because they're mostly his old home. Yeah, uh, or or times when he is claustrophobic or unhappy. Mm. So you get this really grainy old film quality to the parts of the film that feel closed in. And then when it opens out into space or cornfields, it becomes this crystal clear, beautiful film. See, the the, the, the cinematography, the camera trickery, the the, the effects and whatnot, that is something I absolutely loved about Interstellar. Mm -hmm. Um, The rest... I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? Yes. We can hear you. Okay, I can cool. see you. I'm not gonna lie, that was the scariest shit ever. It was weird. I, I criticized Interstellar, and then you were really, really <laughs> quiet. So quiet. <laughs> and I was like, oh god, Simon's gonna punch me. I, I actually never heard your criticism. You said oh. that the effects and the cinematography oh. were things you really, really liked, but, and then you oh. cut <laughs> Oh, okay. I was gonna say, but the rest of it, I was slightly less warm on. Fair enough. I, 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 I really enjoyed the story, uh, and oh. the fact that it was all... Oh, it's hard sci-fi, and that is something I am on record as really enjoying. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the physical theories, uh, all the physics theory in there is genuine um, theoretical physics. Yeah, uh, I had a conversation with some friends of mine before going to see it, saying, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing some good hard sci-fi, and they're like, ooh, don't, mm, don't look forward to that too much. Not, not that hard. And I just sort of came out of it going, I think I know more physics than you. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, it was a lot of the physics was informed by Kip Thorne, who is a theoretical physicist, and a lot of the CGI was actually based on his equations and like individual frames of some of that film took more than a day to render because uh, the the maths involved was just so staggering. Painting with mathematics, but we'll talk more about that on a, another episode because yeah. I have a lot to say about Interstellar, cool. uh, and that's not what this show is about. That's true. Um, but you know what Interstellar's about? I do know what Interstellar is about, yes. Segway! Oh. <laughs> see, <laughs> that was beautiful. I now see that I am not going to be able to do this. <laughs> Only because Jack will physically restrain you from doing this. If you try again. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I clearly try to rise above my station. I'm not like, I'll cut off your legs and eat them in front of you. Okay. World Sorry. on stage one is like 90s wrestling. Know your role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's probably the only 90s wrestling reference I would probably understand. Excellent. That's a lie. Jack316 says, I just told you not to make a segue. That would make a very bad sign. How do you know this? How do I know what? How do you know that that happened? How do I know what happened? Who's Jack Sixty? <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> I said. I said Jack. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I, my name is Jack. But you said you on know the, who I am. You said on the chat room. You're not on the chat room. You're here. No, no, no one said anything about the chat room. It was another nineties reference. I don't know what's happening. You're going to look like a fucking mentalist on the episode you release this episode. And people listen to it, they're like, wait, no, we didn't hear it either. Oh, this is awful. Or or we're going to seem like mentalists when he's like, no, someone clearly did say that. (laughs) Yeah, that would be weird. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. Anyway. Shit. It's okay. I'm just a bag of nerves, guys. It's fine. We're busting you. Well, we're not busting your cherry. We're like you're yeah. busting my balls, man. We're we're reworking you after a long absence. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it got quiet again. 
No, I haven't. <laughs> no, oh, God. God. <laughs> it, it's just, just genuinely, genuinely being speechless. So, uh, <laughs> what, what is Interstellar about, Jack? Space and time. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I just literally all I know about what we're talking about today. <laughs> That's right. Interstellar is about space and time. As is, in some regard, Doctor Who. Uh, I don't know. You tell me. Yes. Uh, we had to do it at some point. Really didn't have to. It's time. I mean, well, is it? But is it the space? Yes. Is time the space and relative dimensions in space? Yes. Mm. But, I mean, at the same time... I, I, I could have gone with, you know, Doctor Who's on first. But... <laughs> oh, I don't think that would have done quite as well. So, chin up, so chin up, everyone. This is literally my entire contribution to today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who is a show that Jack has not really watched any of. But if you want to know more about Doctor Who, the Simply Syndicated Network actually has a fantastic show all about it. And really? The greatest Tell show us in the galaxy. What? The greatest show in the galaxy. Oh, that's cool. Good reference. No, isn't it a good reference? Damn and right. Emma and Mike talk on that about classic Who, new Who, all themes around Who. If Doctor Who is your thing, that is where you should go. I'm going to listen to their show. You should. Their show is <laughs> and awesome. our show. No, just their show. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want a completely unplanned, unrehearsed, and ill-informed opinion... Yes. Listen to this show. Including Damn a right. guy who doesn't watch Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you're going to be our point of view character, our everyman, if you will, that embodies the audience ignorance. I'm Rose. Hey. <laughs> what? I mean, I guess she was that, but... That, that, the companion yeah. kind of is that in yeah. Doctor Who. Absolutely. Right. I, I'm Jamie. Yes, you are Jamie. You, you kind are. of look a bit like him, you know. I'm not, I'm not wearing a kilt. There's yeah, more yeah. to Jamie than a kilt, Jack. <laughs> Also, we can put you in a kilt. That is a problem that has a solution. Yes. <laughs> that just creates more problems, though, let's be honest. Oh, it does, but they yes. would be fun to solve. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing a very good job of this everyman thing if I'm quoting and making references to characters. Characters that you do know of in yeah. Doctor Who. <laughs> so, as our, our newest member on board, and seeing as this is... Definitely in your wheelhouse, Rob. Yes. Doctor Who, brief summary of for people who have no idea what we're talking about. Okay, um, Doctor Who, in its simplest terms. 1963, the day after Kennedy was shot down, we were this introduced... This the simplest terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really isn't, is it? You're asking an actor to do the simplest terms. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Kennedy assassination. I was setting a mood. No, okay. Fair enough. Uh, simpler. No, no, I like your way simpler, of doing simpler, it. So, yeah, Kennedy's dead. On you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. No, I, let's just do it. I'll try and do it even more simply. Um, yeah. Doctor Who is a long-running 51-year long-running science fiction show about a time-traveling alien who can change his face when he is mortally injured. He travels in a police telephone box, which he 
uh, he, which is called the TARDIS, which stands for Time and Relative Dimension in Space. I have a question. You have a question. Go on. Does changing his face stop him from being mortally wounded? Because otherwise that would be kind of a shit superpower. <laughs> yeah, that would be really bad. <laughs> On his deathbed, he just changes and looks like someone else and then dies. The, the answer is, we don't know who we're burying! The whole process is called regeneration, and his body yeah. basically re- renews and remakes itself, but can also completely reinvent the the look of the person. And it has now been canonized that that can include things like, oh, I don't know, changing gender, uh, as well as uh, changing race or or skin tone. So what's the reason then for why in 51 years and several regenerations, the Doctor has not been a lady or anything but a white guy? The thing is... What needs to be accepted about Doctor Who, and this is what I tell everyone who opposes the uh, the recent uh, changes that you just mentioned, Simon. Uh, Doctor Who fundamentally works because of change. The actor changes, mm-hmm. the stories change, the sets change. The you know everything changes about it. It's what it makes it make. It's why it has been running for fifty one years. If they were um, trying to run it, having recast the character without making a thing of the character changing, and without trying to change the set dressing of the TARDIS and the the way the show was presented, it would never have lasted anywhere near as long. I think yeah. it's fair to say. Absolutely. Um, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> I know. Why, why is he always a white guy? And the answer is pretty simple, which is conservatism. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. I mean, back in the 60s, definitely your protagonist is going to be a white guy. That's just... Television was very narrow focus. Mm. Uh, and it... I mean, that hasn't really changed in television. Certainly not by the time McCoy was on his way out. Mm. And since coming back, I mean, there's been a dearth of women writing the show, let alone the idea of a woman in it. But that has recently... uh, They've taken steps. If not the Doctor, then, spoiler warning, we're going to just... We don't care. Uh, We've either seen Series 8 or we don't care to, as far as I'm aware, as hosts. Um, (laughs) So, uh, the Master... You mean the Mistress? Exactly. Um, (laughs) That's a significant change in cast diversity and a lovely way of absolutely canonizing, yeah, the Doctor could be a woman. Nothing stopping him. Yep. Does he have control over what he looks like when he turns into things? Or Interesting question. There, it, is, um, it is almost kind of hinted at that he does oh, in some respect. Oh, it's absolutely that he does. Well, it's absolutely, it's absolutely the case that the Rani does. The Rani, um, yes. So, and even River, when she was regenerated, said, I'm focusing on a dress size. Focusing on a dress size. So it is something they can do, but it's always been sort of suggested the Doctor doesn't really care and quite enjoys randomness. That's it. It is completely that. He, he, I don't think, like you say, he doesn't really care that much. Although it is said that he can be, his, his, um, Appearance can be influenced. Um, in the latest season, there is an absolutely, and I know that there are there are bad things about this latest season. There's no denying, but there have been some beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And one of those being in the very first episode, his very first episode, his full episode, uh, Deep Breath, um, he's looking in either a a reflection uh, in a pool of water or a mirror. I can't remember. I think it's uh, a pool of water. But he's asking himself where he's seen the face before. Now, that's a reference to the fires of Pompeii. We presume, yeah. Where, where he was... Um, Do you the emperor or a senator or something? No, no, no. He was, uh, he was actually a marble merchant um, uh, in, in uh, ancient Pompeii right before the uh, Vesuvius eruption. Um, but he's asking why he chose that face. Um, so it, it's, kind of, um, it's kind of insinuated that perhaps he's locked that face away in his mind and uh subconsciously brought sub- it to the fore absolutely but and also in that episode um uh, uh and this is another big spoiler but you know we've already covered spoilers um clara at the very end of the episode receives a phone call on her mobile phone after the events of the entire episode uh she picks up the phone and um there's a voice on the other end a very familiar voice uh belonging to the 11th doctor matt smith who, before he regenerated, and I, I actually called this. I was actually quite pleased. Um, right at the end of his uh, final episode of The Time of the Doctor, you see that the telephone uh, on the door of the TARDIS is actually hanging free from its... Um, uh, Radar. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I didn't know what that was called. It's off um, the hook. Yeah, it's off the hook. It's hanging off the hook. And, and Clara, before she goes into the TARDIS... Hangs up on the hook. It seems that the Doctor actually used that time where we haven't seen him to make a final phone call to her. And uh, he actually overhears Peter Capaldi say, is that the Doctor or something like that, along those words. Um, And he says, oh, I sound old. Oh, I'm not old, am I? And and then it it kind of makes you think, oh, now he's heard he's old. Is that going to influence? Is that why he became older oh. as a regeneration? Like it, it, there, there's so many little just hints, and there's which, a, an even subtler reason for the change hinted at in the 50th anniversary, which is it's sort of implied that his guilt about what he did as the War Doctor um, caused a bit of a regression, and he's sort of been running from responsibility. Hence, he's been so young. In his immediately following regenerations, getting younger even, Mm. running, you know, um, Chris Frackleston came in, was the first Doctor of the rebooted series and was quite grim. (laughs) Yes, he was. But equally, he was fantastic. He was optimistic and loved humanity and was running around with Rose, who was very young and very idealistic. And then he regenerated into Tennant and into Matt Smith, progressively getting younger, progressively getting further away from what the War Doctor was. And then in the 50th anniversary, he literally meets his past self and is made aware of things that he had forgotten that give him some closure, and suddenly he's back to being the Doctor, a confident, eccentric older man. And that's been his predominant persona around 51 years. And so he's sort of over his trauma yeah, I mean, it even says in Deep Breath, again, um, uh, although I have problems with that episode in general, it did have some wonderful moments, and I believe it was Vashtra that was saying that this is actually the Doctor opening up to you. This is him trusting you, showing him his real self by 
allowing his new form to be older um and kind of a bit a bit snarlier you know this is this is a guy that is over 2000 years old and he's seen a lot of shit and this is him sort of opening up a bit which uh, i thought was again a very very subtle and very very clever little kind of nod which mm. is nice i quite like that idea of like him like his mental state changing the way he looks like mm. this idea of him accepting things causing him to you know sort of go all right i don't need to keep running anymore i can go back to what what i feel i am and that's something very i'm gonna say there's something very silent hill about that oh yeah <laughs> about yeah running from something and it, it affecting your surroundings and the oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm with you i'm with you um and then and then when you, once you come to realize it like it completing you as a person, mm-hmm. if not giving you other difficulties in one. Man, that's that's quite a weird parallel. It I is. Never yes, it that is. really is. Uh, that, I, oh, that'd be a good crossover as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like you say, Simon. Um, it is one of the best lines, in my opinion, of the fiftieth with uh, John Hurt's War Doctor. Just indignantly saying, "Am I having a midlife crisis?" When he's looking at Tennant and Matt Smith, um, <laughs> it is sand shoes. It is Dicky Bow, <laughs> um, and that's it. Capaldi has not had an obsession with fezzes or bow ties or three D glasses no, and converse. And he, that's it. And he doesn't have like a catchphrase really or anything. He's not got like a you know. He's yeah. Well, I don't know. I think "shut up" is his catchphrase. <laughs> yes, you're right. Oh, I might I might like this doctor. Yeah, oh no, you really would, man. I mean, uh, as soon as I heard it was going to be um, uh, Peter Capaldi, I was I was over the you know over the moon. He is a, a wonderful actor. Anyway, he's been in some really great stuff. I mean, my favorite uh, other than Doctor Who being the thick of it, which. Uh, we should do an episode on the thick of it if you guys have watched it, haven't you? Oh, God, no, I'd be well up for doing an episode on Oh, my God, I love the thick of it. Just the the swearing is lyrical. (laughs) It is. It's not actually what uh, the role that I first thought of when I heard he'd been cast. I went straight to Angel Islington from Neverwhere, yes. (gasps) Oh, my God, he is, isn't he? Oh, yes. And I was like, that kind of charming but detached sociopath that yes. to me was like what i wanted from the doctor oh my god <laughs> kind of what we're getting that's amazing i didn't even connect that that was him yeah. <laughs> i'm much younger Whoa. Him, yes it was my mind is blown holy shit i want to see Cooper <laughs> vandemar in doctor <laughs> <laughs> oh no that would be a crossover oh god oh, god neil gaiman he must he he does right episodes from time to time i think we're just gonna leave it he does right and like <laughs> he, yes, does that, right. That he does right that yeah. is true. <laughs> that's why we know who he is right. Yeah. But um, speaking of, I mean, um, I mean, are, are we going to talk uh, uh, and focus on season eight or are we just going to talk in general? I think we can do either. I mean, to give it the, the rundown, the, the fun thing about Doctor Who is the whole principle of regeneration and such started largely because... The, the original actor left, and they yes. didn't want to stop making the show, so they came up with this excuse to keep going. Oh, wait. Oh, I want to test myself on this. I'm going to challenge myself on this. Go on. William Hartnell? Yes. Yep. Cool, that was number one. Although, uh, sad, it was it was actually a really sad um, reason why he went. Um, yeah. If any of you have seen 
uh, Adventure in Time and Space, which was That's amazing. The docudrama, yeah, it is amazing. It really is. Um, the docudrama that is about William Hartnell's years as the Doctor and how it how it started it's, and how it's about, the, it's about the origin of the show. That's it. Is the origin and if and you how if, despite its poor representation of yeah. diversity and lack of women writers, especially in recent years, Libby Purvis was so essential to getting this show on the air. Mm. It was like yeah. was it the first female. Uh, producer. And- do you mean Verity Lambert? Sorry, yes. Verity Lambert. <laughs> I do, you're right. I don't mean Libby sorry, Purvis at all. Sorry. <laughs> Hang on, I, I, I knew you, you knew. I'm sorry, I need, I need to do this. I'm, I'm obliged to this. Nerd! <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm See, sorry. Wasn't it, the whole thing of it was the first female producer and... She was, I think. The first... Uh, was it Indian? Yes, that's right. Oh man, that's tested. I can't remember his name. Yeah, but yes, the the yeah. very first uh, uh, Indian um, gentleman that the BBC hired as a director. Um, absolutely. So definitely foreshadowing for different. Uh, Was he gay? You know, I've not heard that, but he could have been. Absolutely. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it started, it started that whole thing. It's like. Anyone who say, you know, women can't do sci-fi. Mm. Well, that's yeah. ridiculous. Women invented science fiction. Indeed. Yeah, exactly. Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. Damn right. Yeah, Indeed. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as I was saying, it is um, it is really sad. Because re- um, uh, William Hartnell himself, as portrayed by... Ah, um, Filch. Dave, David Bradley, <laughs> I think it is. Argus Filch, yes. Yes, yes, Filch. <laughs> uh, Walter well, Frey, if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Um, yes, yes, he is. Oh, um, we're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh. You know what? We'll leave that. Don't, let's I'm, not talk about I've that. I've not seen it... Game of Thrones either, so we should probably do an episode on that where I get to be the everyman again. <laughs> uh, I, if we do, I will go on a rant about how the TV show took a very rapey subject matter and added more rape. Um, yeah. So yeah. maybe we won't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair point, fair point. Yeah, there's, lots of, um, there's lots of other big shows out there that I haven't seen, like Breaking Bad and whatnot. I enjoy Breaking Bad. It's, it's a good show. I'm still working my way through it. I haven't seen any of it. I've not watched it yet. It's okay. Doctor Who. Yeah, sorry. yeah sorry. It's an educational thing. Yeah. Um, and you, you were telling us about William Hartnell and his sad departure. That's it. Yeah, I mean, because um, the, the really, really sad thing is, is that this show came along and he this was a man who throughout most of his career was used to playing an authority figure, kind of really, you know, uh, on the edge, well, not on the edge kind of guy, but really kind of um, by the book mm. kind of guy. And this, this show gave him the opportunity to sort of... Um, to branch out to have like um kind of almost like this conflicting strange um kind of persona that you never really knew about you weren't ever certain about him um i know that you're pretty i'm pretty sure you're all aware that this was the doctor that when being slowed down when being pursued through the jungle that he was more than happy to pick up a rock and attempt to bash um what he called a monkey, I believe it is. Yes. Yes. Is head in with a rock. I mean... And and that monkey was a person. Yes. To be clear. Uh, And this is why I have problems with people saying, oh, the Doctor's so, so, you know... uh, People who grew up on the New Who were like, ah, no, he's such a pacifist. No, no, he hates guns. Nope. Yeah, that is yeah. very different to being a pacifist. It's like saying Batman's a pacifist. Yeah, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, but the Doctor is such a contradiction because he is this 
wise, to us, very, very wise figure. Mm. And to us, he appears as a hero and a protector of Earth, but he is fundamentally a criminal on the run. Yes, he is. He is. He's, he's committed a lot of crimes. Um, but that's what, that's it really. But my point is that he, he loved that show. He loved it with, um, everything that he had, you know, he enjoyed that children would recognize him on the street and stuff. Um, um, uh, but unfortunately, and I can't remember the name of the, um, the illness he got, but essentially, uh, he wasn't able to to really remember his lines as effectively, and on set, like he would get kind of grumpy and angry more at himself, um, uh, and it would just basically bring what was now the BBC's flagship show mm. sort of to a standstill, where they they had to they the lights whether they wanted to or not in the studio would go off at six, whether they even if they were still filming, the lights would go off. Um, so scheduling was becoming a problem. So Sidney Newman, who was also one of the the, the creators of the show, um, uh, unfortunately sat him down and said, "I'm afraid this is how it's got to be." And um, but because the show was so loved, uh, they thought of the way around it, which was to have the Doctor regenerate at the end of uh, the tenth planet, I believe it is tenth planet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, no. And uh, yeah, no, it's free. Uh, uh, it is so sad, but um, you know, um, then we got Patrick Troughton, my favorite, and a good choice because Patrick Troughton is is wonderful. Um, arguably the most important Doctor because he was the one that made regeneration work. Essentially, him being the same man but completely different. To take for taking just little tidbits of what made the Doctor the Doctor but also being utterly different. Yes, the genius um, of it was that they didn't treat it as recasting the role. Yeah. They made the fact that he was a new actor work for them by making the Doctor into a new character. Mm-hmm. Definitely recognisable as the, the same core person, but he became, you know, the, the, the happy vagabond or the grumpy vagabond, depending on his mood at the time. He was the space hobo. He was. Uh, yes. With a recorder and a big coat. Yeah. I mean, it was also in Troughton's era when they started to sit down and set up some of the lore we've still got decades yeah. later and go, well, maybe this isn't just a, a silly educational weekly serial. Maybe we should start putting some plot in here and started setting out some of the history. Yeah. Um, and I see, I don't know whether they actually gave them the name or not in, Troughton, in Troughton's era. I believe they finally called him a Time Lord in the War Games. <laughs> Um, because that's when he went on trial the first time. (laughs) The doctor, the doctor has been on trial uh, the first time. Yes. um, He has gotten away with a lot of shit over the years. He has. Um, I think I've seen that this is, this is, so war games is the one where they're like, there's the planet, uh, that has various factions from threat history. There's like there's Nazis in it. And uh, yeah, basically there are a number of, I I mean, uh, to be honest, uh, I, I'm not kind of as clued up about war games, but I'm more familiar with the ending because the time Lords, who have been established as, uh, well, the Doctor is a Time Lord. There we are. The name his um, that's the name of, uh, or rather his order, as it were. Oh, okay. Um, yes. Uh, he is actually a Gallifreyan, a person oh. from Gallifrey. And not all Gallifreyans are Time Lords by any means. They're oh. very much the aristocracy. 
I didn't know that. Oh, that's well. Right. This is the thing. We, the, um, we will. Do you want me to go into the what? What you'd have to do to become a time lord? You have to look into the. <laughs> yeah, uh, you have to look yeah, into the yeah, unfiltered yeah. mass of time. Absolutely. One one youngster didn't. He ran away, and that was the doctor. One doctor. One and, doctor. <laughs> one and, one ran and away. One stared too deep and went slightly mad and became the master. Is that right? Yes, but I, we'll we'll cover that later when we reach tenant. That's cool. Because I remember having that explained to me and going, that is literally the coolest thing I've ever heard. It is, it is. There were two that it went wrong with. One ran away and one looked too deep. It is beautiful because they are they are just the opposite reactions of that that same moment. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, Gallifreyans, um, if uh, uh, proved to be worth, if they proved to be worthy, they would be uh, uh, taken to the academy, which is where. Um, you would train to become a Time Lord. Okay. The Doctor didn't do very well at the Academy. Uh, he uh, went by a nickname whilst at the, the Academy, which I believe is Delta Sigma. I yes. could be wrong. I think it's Delta Sigma. Um, and uh, yeah, he flunked. Okay. <laughs> he flunked big time. He failed Time Lord school. He did. This fail is why time. I said to us, he seems like a very wise character. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> in Time Lord society, the Doctor was always kind of regarded as a bit of a fuck up. Is this like? <laughs> so is, is this basically like what if like all of humanity was destroyed and only one of us landed on some alien planet where they revered him as some sort of super being, but it was Boris Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> well, Not quite that, but. You're not a million miles away. Like there is a wonderful moment in series eight with Capaldi where he berates himself for not being able to solve a problem. And he goes, "You're from the race that invented the TARDIS," and I'm like, "Yeah, but you don't know how it works." <laughs> yeah, it's like I am from the race that invented supercomputers. Yeah. I could not design a microchip <laughs> from the ground up. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it is a There is a wonderful little bit in a, in the Punchline's Machismo comic where it's like um, so her, some the, one of the characters her computer isn't working and she's she asks a time traveling character in it, hmm. hey, can you fix this for me? And he's like, well, what on earth makes you think I could fix that? She's like, well. You're from like 300 years in the future, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> tell you what, I'll get around to fixing that. You there using just your hands fix this broken ass abacus I've got right here. <laughs> Why do you carry a broken abacus around? You have no idea how often I get asked to fix computers. <laughs> Brill. <laughs> but yeah, um, so he is finally established as a Time Lord. Now, uh, I am I am hazy as to whether they actually address them as Time Lords in war games. I'm quite sure that they do, but I could be wrong. But he, um, he's put on trial for, for misbehavior. That's right, because the Time Lords... Um, kind of have this whole stance of never interfering. Um, they are hypocritical. They interfere <laughs> when they want to interfere. Uh, uh, um, uh, item one being um, Genesis of the Daleks, uh, which is when you notice actually they do interfere. They just get other people to interfere for them. Uh. Um but anyway, we'll get to Genesis of the Daleks in a bit. Um, but yeah, the Doctor is basically put on trial for interfering and meddling in the affairs that do not concern him. Um, and is punished by having his face changed. That is right. He is punished by being forced to regenerate. And not only that, to be banished to Earth. I'm in the 1970s <laughs> to like, save us money making the next series. Yeah, That's exactly. right. I, I love that so much. He was banished 
to England in the 1970s and they are going to take away his TARDIS. <laughs> they didn't take it away, but they no, did they take it, down, it away. Oh, sorry. Irish? And they locked it down, didn't they? That's right, they did. Yeah, they, they actually... Um, they took out. Uh, uh, no, I see. I, I did know this before. Actually, uh, they take basically <laughs> a vital part of the TARDIS console away, which essentially is the bit that allows it to, well, do anything useful. Essentially, that a TARDIS <laughs> they would took the do. key away. Essentially, um, it, it, no. It's more like taking like the spark plug out. I always thought. Ah. He always has the key. He can get in. He just can't make it move, um, or very far anyway. Yeah, he um, can run it. He can get the heating on, turn the stereo on, but he yeah, can't yeah, actually yeah. drive anywhere. That's it. <laughs> like occasionally, it would move. He'd be able to get it to to jump I, short I, distances. Are but... you saying the Time Lords put his TARDIS up on bricks? Yes, they put it up on bricks. Or put him on bricks. Yeah, that is basically. The, of that, yeah. the Time Lords. You will learn. Uh, see, a lot of people make the mistake in thinking that the Time Lords are kind of like. The good guys, but really, and they're dicks. They are dicks. They're, they're real dicks. dicks. And it, and you you often like a lot of people wonder, oh, why did he run away? <laughs> you you come on. They're 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 kind of oh. Look into the unfettered yes, mass. Look time. into this massive time. No, no they're eight years old. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Then we get John Pertwee, who I actually really really like. I do like John Pertwee. He was Wurzel Gummidge, wasn't he? He was Wurzel yeah. Gummidge. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> he was Wurzel Gummidge. Um, but uh, he was well. He, so yeah, the Doctor did spend some time as a scarecrow <laughs> and father, father of Sean. <laughs> Father of Sean Pertwee, who is also a wonderful, wonderful actor. Uh, this was the season of the Kung Fu Action Doctor. Venus uh, Judo. Uh, Venusian Aikido. Like, yes. Oh, really? Yes. He's <laughs> um, uh, really brought in the Brigadier <laughs> and Unit, which have come back in a big way in New Who. Yeah. Oh, man, the Brigadier, I'm sure, was in Troughton era. He was, yes. Yeah, he, he featured in uh, The Web of Fear, which has only recently just um, uh, was been lost, event. Lost that was one of the lost. Ah. Who's, I believe that's the first time he shows up, but that's when yes. the great intelligence has is basically networking the London underground to becoming this, uh, well, essentially, the Yeti. <laughs> somehow. That, somehow. <laughs> no, that was a big jump. I'm sorry. I just saw your face kind of like, Half a crinkling kind of confusion. Do you know what? Honestly, um, do you know what half my brain is doing throughout a lot of this? Is it's like, honestly, these three could be making up so much shit. <laughs> That's and true. Like, <laughs> you you could totally say that about Doctor Who. There is so there's so much weird shit. But I, feel like, but I feel like I'm going to catch you out by saying so. A great intelligence is turning the London Underground into a Yeti. <laughs> no, I didn't mean turning into Yeti. I, I, I kind of, but basically halfway through that, I, I kind of realised, hang on a second, I'm not entirely sure what he was doing with the London Underground <laughs> because I've not actually fully seen that episode because okay. I've not actually got hold of those. It was one of yet. the lost ones. Um, As it was one of the lost ones. Yeah. Um, but yes, that was the Brigadier's first appearance, but he really came to the fore in the next season because the awesome. Doctor couldn't leave, so yeah. he sort of had to work with Unit, uh, yes. and that gave him a cast of ancillary characters as well, which was great fun. Yeah, I mean, it was one, because he became the Unit's uh, chief scientific advisor, um, and he was basically, he, he basically was... He was paid! He did get paid. He had a job. <laughs> he didn't know what to do with the money. Um, but um, yeah, he, he definitely got paid. He was on the payroll. Um, but this was at a time where basically, the, basically 
eyes were on Britain because the Bond films were really kind of popular at the time. I mean, Bond had come along earlier, obviously. Um, But it would seem that Doctor Who and the people behind Doctor Who at the time uh, really wanted to kind of get that kind of, that cool kind of spy, gadgety kind of edge into Doctor Who. Do you know my favourite Bond was a Time Lord? Oh, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. 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 Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, one of the great examples of Time Lords are dicks. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Rassel, we could. Oh, I could talk an entire episode about Rassilon. Um a fascinating character in, in Doctor Who. Um, but, but, a, yeah. but a bit of a douche canoe. A massive dick. I mean, everyone says the Master's bad, but like Rassilon, Omega, make the Master look like a puppy dog. That's the thing. The Master is not that bad. He's a no. playful antagonist who's constantly just running in circles around the Doctor going, pay attention to me. I'm doing yes. stuff to get your attention. And then there's Omega and Rassilon who are just evil. Yeah. Oh my goodness me. I <laughs> and, mean, I, I mean, even I, like um, the Rani is just this amoral yeah. evil super scientist. Yeah. The Master just looks at her and goes, you're so mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're, they are, oh God, the, to be fair, I, yeah, I do hope the Rani comes along at some point. The Rani is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Doctor Who at the time, at that time, it, like it was going through problems because they had to take a lot of uh, funding out of it and uh, put it into other places. So that's kind of why the Doctor was stranded on Earth. But he did leave a few times. Like there was an episode, Planet of the Daleks, where the tar- he actually did ga- manage to get the TARDIS off earth for a bit to land on uh you know i think it might have been scarrow um as it is called planet of the daleks you'd assume it is scarrow which by the way we should probably talk about the daleks right i have a question (laughs) go on what's a planet of the daleks right um what's a scarrow scarrow is the name of the planet i was gonna say scarrow is the answer to your first question yes it is (laughs) scarrow is the name of the planet where the Daleks came from. The Daleks are a metaphor for Nazism. <laughs> Absolutely, they are. Um, jumping back to uh, the second ever story of Doctor Who, they, they, they were in that early. Um, yes, yeah, Daleks, um, essentially, what we knew of them for a long time was that they were just these metal, pepot shaped evil beings <laughs> that spoke in really angry angry staccato voices uh, scream modulated to hell absolutely uh screaming exterminate anyone that wasn't like them so absolutely nazis um we all know that's I, what nazis sounded the like. thing is obviously i'm pretty sure that everyone listening to this um will probably know what a dalek is this is this is the the effect that they have had on popular culture everyone knows what a dalek is um is, yes absolutely it's like uh, everyone knows that you set phases to stun, and everyone knows Daleks exterminate. Exactly. Um, and they are... I, I, to, to this day, I, I still really like the Daleks. I know a lot of people complain about um, a lot of the Dalek episodes that have been around of late. Um, and, you know, um, that's probably because, you know, they, they've not been written correctly. But I, I still maintain that the Daleks, if done correctly, are are good and they are they are scary um and and can you can get good stories out of them Absolutely. but anyway in my opinion dalek is one of the finest episodes of new who the problem that they have with daleks in new who is overdoing them having too yes. many of them yes one dalek was the most terrifying thing in new who 
That's also in my mind why um, Matt Smith's first finale, uh, The Big Bang, um, was so good. Was um, the Dalek was treated almost like an obstacle in the way of the bigger picture, and it was only one once again, um, and it was a bit battered and dilapidated, but. They all, even a Dalek even says to a Cyberman, well, it sounds like a joke. A Dalek says to a Cyberman, um, it, we, we would defeat the Cyberman with one yes. Dalek. I remember in, that line. In, in, remember the that. Bitch, in the bitch fight between a Dalek I and a Cyberman. I remember that, that dialogue and I remember absolutely loving it. Yeah, there, you know, it, that was. Is this the whole, I, uh, you will identify yourselves, you will, no, you will identify yourselves, you will identify yourselves. Daleks do not identify themselves. You have ended, identified yourself as Dalek. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> This is not war. This is pest control. Um, <laughs> Are we going to quote lines at each other? No, that's not. That's not. That just isn't good listening. Um, I don't know. I'm quite enjoying this. This is amazing. <laughs> well, you want to read me feeder lines from The Impossible Planet, and then I'll say the correct lines back to you. Uh, like, do you like The Impossible Planet? I'll no. tell you what I'm loving is we're having a, a rundown of Doctor Who in its simplest terms. We've reached 1970. Yeah, <laughs> no, I make, I'm making a reference to that plan you had to to um, have your way with David Tennant. I never said that. I think you did. Much. <laughs> I said it a few times. Okay. I say a lot of things a few times. Anyway, you're quite right. We reached the 1970s. Um, no, no, we've reached 1970. <laughs> um, so Doctor Who was in color. Dot who was in colour. Thank you, Jack. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, some of that money they saved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I, I should imagine, actually, that's probably where the good portion of it went, you know. Um, but yeah, it was in colour and all sorts of new things are happening. We had, like you said, Simon, like we, we almost had like an ensemble cast in, in Doctor Who for a while. We had um, uh, Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart. We had Mike Yates, who was his... Um, uh, his second in command, as it were, at UNIT. Um, UNIT being, we should explain, um, Unified Intelligence... Uh, yeah, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Unified... National? No, no, not National. Oh, God. Uh, intelligence uh, Task Force. Unified something Intelligence unified, Task Force. Unified, oh, God, Intelligence Task Force. Just, That's what you was. Wasn't United Nations... No, United Nations Intelligence Task Force? It was originally the Unified Intelligence Task Force... Uh, yeah, and then later it became the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. Okay, at least that got them. That, so was, that would have been really embarrassing. So were they originally called UIT? <laughs> no, it was one of those acronyms where if you wrote it out, you'd have the U and the N at the start of Unified yeah. in capitals, uh, and then the I of Intelligence, and then the T of Task Force, which is why as soon as the UN became more of a thing, they were like, oh, that would make more sense. Why don't we do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was close. Okay. Um, I, think we, I think we saved that. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> or, or was that the wrong way around? Oh, Am I getting that wrong? Did the UN specifically ask them to stop calling it the United Nations Intelligence yes, Task Force? It was. Yes, it was that way around. Or so RTD would tell you. Is it started as United Nations and he changed it because the UN said, could you not? <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> you maybe, could you maybe not? Maybe not. Um, yeah, so, yeah, 70s. Uh, sorry, 70. Um, That's still part of the 70s. It is still part of the 70s. And we had some really, really good um, good episodes there. Um, and this was also, as we've been talking about him quite a lot lately anyway, um, this was when the Master first arrived. Roger Delgado. Roger Delgado. Was he, was he the sort of Anton LaVey-looking fella? He certainly was. They basically wanted to get a Moriarty figure to the Doctor's Sherlock. Um, they wanted 
an intellectual equal, well, almost, as he would say. Um, you had this fantastic, I mean, it, it was basically a Sherlock Moriarty kind of thing going on. They had a classic sword fight at one point as well, which was wonderful. Um, they fenced. They did fence. Uh, as as John Perry was much more physical. As, as they do in many fanfics I've seen. But Absolutely. Not with... No, you know what, never mind. Oh. <laughs> I just caught up. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, yeah, what was I saying? Uh, he uh, hypnotized people. That's right, yeah. The master did hypnotize people. He also liked to make people into dolls. What? Yeah, he did have a creepy sort of objectification fetish. Really, he really did. Yeah. Why See, do I not watch thing. more master episodes? I'm scared you, of would, shit out you of would me. love you would love this hero because it, it it really was dark. Like the master had a habit of turning up, and he would also he it would always be the master, but he would also have like other people in tow. He would always like either be controlling people to do his bidding, or he would be harnessing an, an alien force to hopefully for him to get some kind of advantage out of it. He would, um, in fact, his first episode was actually uh, Terror of the Autons, where he had... Um, mannequin and, people. Absolutely, the mannequin, or, or rather just plastic uh, autonomous yeah. kind of beings that happened to be mannequins at some point. Um and uh, yeah, that was that was when he actually, I believe, that's when he he shrank people um, into weird little doll things. Yeah, he he, he liked I, doing it's, that. It's a hobby, I guess. <laughs> it's a hobby. Although there was a really sinister bit where there was a sort of plastic man that they'd managed to shrink. I, I don't know how they would have done it back in the day. Um, uh, and he was just like wandering around, like. Like yeah, hang on. You're using hand <laughs> yeah, gestures. I'm using hand gestures. This isn't gonna work. Um, Pretend I'm not here. I, yep, don't, I, I, don't, I don't talk to myself, Jack. <laughs> um, Wait, they've gone really quiet. They have gone quiet. Yes. Okay, thank God. Just listen to oh, you. Okay. It's Marvel. Yeah, we're just rambling. Sorry. Sorry, I need to get back to point. I didn't even know what I was talking about. Yeah, he shrank people. There we go. He shrank people and turned them into dolls. Cool. Yes. He, he was, was one of the thing. things that came in in the third Doctor's era, along with Autons. Uh, I believe... Sil no, Silurians were around in Trouton's era, weren't they? Yeah. No, actually. I don't think they were, because I think the Sea Devils arrived first, and I think the Sea Devils were first featured in... Yes, I think you're right. In... Um, uh, John Pertwee's era. Because uh, Sea Devils and the Silurians are related um, in that they were they were both occupying uh, Earth long before we were here when dinosaurs were around and reptilian or rept uh, Homo reptilia, as I believe they are named. Um, and they obviously went into hibernation uh, with the Great Catastrophe, which was the asteroid wiping the dinosaurs out, but they survived. Uh yeah, I think I, I could be wrong, but uh, I'm pretty sure the Sea Devils were there first. I think you I, might be right. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I'd done some research. I didn't know. <laughs> um, you know what? This is good. This is a good, a good sort of look forward for Will on stage when he was like, "This is us without research." Yeah, but I mean, this is a big test because I mean, like, yeah, like I'm testing myself here to see if I can get everything right. Yeah. 
Um, but John Pertwee's era is fantastic. <coughs> very, very physical. He, whereas William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton would try and talk their way out of situations. Or run away with silly hand gestures. <laughs> or run away with silly hand gestures or jumping around as if their ass is on fire. The I love Patrick no, Troughton. No, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was a good impression, man. I, I practiced it. <laughs> that was good. Um, Trout was my favourite. I've, oh, I've done no, Trout no. costumes. Have you? Uh, I did, but then I never any, actually went to Judder, so there are no photos of it. Oh, dude. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the third Doctor would antagonise you by ba basically belittling you. And if you went at him, he would go, Hiya! <laughs> And he would chop you on the neck and throw you. Because <laughs> there was a little bit of the saint. There was a little bit of Bond. There was that yes. action hero streak going on. Absolutely. This, he, was a, he was a dandy as well. He had, he had um, very bouffant hair. And he had a capelet. He, he sometimes had a capelet. Yes, you're right. And he had um, um, sort of frills on his shirt and on his cuffs. Um, and uh, a, a definite powerhouse performance, though. Uh, the mistake that people, a lot of people make when they just look at John Poe is saying, oh, he must have been quite, a, like like I say, he looked like a dandy, but he was actually kind of a no-nonsense, kind of hard-ass doctor. Pertwee's <laughs> <laughs> dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, and that guy's terrifying. Just, just watch Dog Soldiers. Yes, just watch Dog Soldiers. <laughs> oh my God, I want to see Sean Pertwee play the Doctor. I did think that. I did think he would be but, good. But, but Doctor, how will you know? Well, I fucking can't, won't I? He's <laughs> too busy right now being Alfred on Gotham, and he's amazing. I hear, yeah, to be fair, you know, I've only seen one episode of Gotham. I, the first one, I wasn't too impressed with it, but... I'm up to ten, and I'm loving it. Really? It's silly as all get out, but... But I love it. Hmm. I'll give it a go. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time because because uh, it's well worth talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough then. Um, and Sean Pertwee's Alfred is wonderful. He is a. I did think that was good this person. one is former forces. You know, because um, yeah. Alfred has always been that sort of former special forces kind of a character. Yes. Sean Pertwee's Alfred, you believe it of? Yeah, absolutely. You do. He always has that kind of look in his eye. As if he's always thinking about putting a knife in something. <laughs> or indeed, uh, in the last episode, when some police went to visit him, uh, and uh, Alfred turns up with a knife at the throat of one of the major crimes unit detectives until he sees Jim Gordon. It's like, oh, all right, it's you, all right. Oh, okay. All right, maybe I should watch it just for the Alfred bits then. All of it. Alfred's when, um, amazing. When Gordon goes to uh, the house... And Bruce is on the roof, and he's like, "Get off the roof!" What I tell you about that? Uh, it was far more British and sweary than that. Get your bloody ass off that roof! I have told you before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's all, I, I've forgotten how much I love Alfred Sass, like from the animated series. Yes, you know, Master Wayne. I often wonder what would have happened if nothing had flown in through the window that day. <laughs> would you? Would you have become the curtain? <laughs> and frightened criminals in a curtain-themed costume. <laughs> he's not quite sassy Alfred yet, because at the moment he's angry at the world Alfred trying to protect a small boy who is a danger to himself and others. But uh, he is great. Anyway, Doctor Who. John Pertwee. Well, I mean, I think we've kind of covered John. I know. I mean, he had Bessie, which was a car that oh, was um, character in itself. that sort of trund trundled along like an old-fashioned car. I can't really remember the make of the car. But it was the like the upgrade. Did he, 
But then he upgraded it to uh, his weird hovercar thing. That's right, Irish. You are referring to the Hoomobile. The Hoomobile. <laughs> oh, God. Do you not know about the Hoomobile? No, I do. I'm just, why are we talking about it? <laughs> We're not going to talk about it very long. <laughs> However, it was ridiculous. It could fly. It could stun people. And you know what? Most <laughs> cars can stun people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 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 got but, um, money back clearly yeah I mean, it was really odd I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say just making a slight, slight reference to, to downtime between episodes cars can definitely stun you in Bucharest <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, he could he could hop in the TARDIS for quick jumps I believe on, on uh, at least on earth yeah. but um yeah for some reason he decided he wanted a car so, or a hovercraft like thing so yeah so what happened to John Pertwee's doctor? Unfortunately, there was a really nasty event that happened in a episode titled Planet of the Spiders. Where I don't like where this is going. You wouldn't, uh, because actually, unfortunately, the story is great. The effects, and we will say this about Doctor Who, the effects at the time obviously were rudimentary, but they did the best they could, and they told good stories. So and it should never be belittled for that. And it's still better effects than the librarians. It's a sci-fi series on the moment. It's I, I've never seen that. Okay, carry on. Okay. Um, <laughs> but essentially... The concept of librarians is great. The concept is great, but the effects are terrible, and I get really angry with, with, the, the, with the trailers for it, because it's... The, the, the sort of feeding line for it is like the quietest job in the world and it's like some some footage from the show that it's just more footage went more footage and then the trailer ends it's like, just, just went what no, you just finished that statement it's like just went just went, like, just went. But that doesn't really. There's quite a job in the world. Just went. Oh my god! You like, could have. That so doesn't many really work there. as a statement. You could just have loads of characters. <laughs> yeah, loads of characters just looking really sternly over at people and just going, "Shh, <laughs> read the signs. <laughs> You're eating in here. It's really don't eat in here. It's really angered me. Just every time I see that trailer <laughs> popping up between like defiance and shit, it's just just went what. Did you wash that your hands before you picked up that book? Yeah. Um, you know some scary ass librarians. I really <laughs> did you not have a librarian in our school? Quite terrifying. What, Balcaris? Yeah. We had a librarian? Yeah. Huh. We had a library. We had a library. I didn't know we had people that worked there. Yeah. Huh. Fair enough. Yeah, well, anyway. I just I, um, I assumed the computers ran everything. Yes. <laughs> anyway, anyway so yeah we were spiders. talking about the planet of spiders and uh yeah there is a nasty confrontation between the doctor and i believe the empress of the spiders which is kind of like does get like a callback later the on spider in, queen that's it the spider queen is there a christmas episode that had a giant spider queen? yeah the rachnos uh which was uh, empress of the rachnos uh played wonderfully by sarah Parrish. this is a shame about the story in my opinion it was, <laughs> it was really okay it was all right whatever um <laughs> but um yeah, unfortunately, the Doctor does get fatally poisoned. Oh. And he's there on his back. And at this point, we have not really been mention mentioning any of the companions, but I think if we start going into companions as well, we'll be here all night. We will probably talk about one or two, I'm going to assume. So We're going to talk yes. about this one. But conceptually, yeah. there has always been 
uh, a companion traveling with the Doctor, usually a person from Earth, usually from a contemporary time period, though not always. On usually, point. Jamie yes. was a what seventeenth-century Scottish Highlander? Is that right? Um, no, I don't no? think it was. Well, okay, I was that was. Hmm. The purpose has always been to have that point of view character he was, for the audience. Uh, to get like oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely, definitely. Um, but anyway, um, the companion at this time of Planet of the Spiders was Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane Smith, uh, played brilliantly by Elizabeth Sladen. And if we're going um, to talk about a couple of the companions, she would be on the list. She is definitely on the list. She's wonderful. Um, uh, not such a fan of her appearances later on, but uh, at this time, she was absolutely fantastic. Just what the show needed. Let's just say um, not many companions got their own spin-off show. That's true. That's true. She <laughs> did deserve that, in a way. Um, but anyway, John Poe's Doctor, Doctor Number 3, lying on his back, and he's pale as anything because he's been poisoned. And he says, A tear, Sarah Jane? <laughs> you just looked at me like I'm supposed to finish the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There is a one because um, then um, he begins to change and the brigadier. He, he, begins, he begins to regenerate. He doesn't start stripping off. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of these clothes. <laughs> and dear Sarah Jane. <laughs> yeah, you've all got stripping Jean Pertwee in your mind now. Oh, enjoy, man. enjoy that. Anyway, as he begins to regenerate, uh, the brigadier stands up and says, here we go again. I know this one. one. Gone. And he turned into Tom Baker. Yes. Yeah! Tom Baker. I'm getting good at this. Arguably the most iconic doctor. Planet of the Spiders was never meant to happen. Uh, It was actually supposed to be a different story about the death of the master. Yes. Roger Delgado died before they could film it. Yeah, you're absolutely Ooh, right. That's... I completely forgot about that. Maybe we're going to do an episode about how the master died, but then the great played the master died. Yeah, yes. essentially, oh, wow. the story was going to go that the master was going to have a change of heart at the end of this climactic kind of confrontation between the two of them, where he would actually um, sacrifice himself to save the doctor. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, I believe he was in Italy at the time. He was killed in a car crash. Oh, um, um, I. Th- yeah, he was definitely abroad. He was filming. I, th- I thought it was Turkey. I could be wrong. Uh, you, you may be right. I, mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, but he was in a car crash essentially, and um, yeah, unfortunately, he passed away. Um, which is very sad because he was a wonderful actor, and the people that that spoke uh, spoke about him spoke very highly of him. And uh, yeah, um, which uh, led the master's character to sort of fade away into um, obscurity mm. for a while. For a while. Now. Um, like you say, we're now on to Tom Baker's era. And Tom Baker, like I was saying, is probably one of the most, if not the iconic doctor. Um, like a jelly baby. Would you like a jelly baby? I suppose, especially for us, because I mean, the, a lot of the people who were making television when we were younger, I mean, I'm speaking mostly, I think, of me, Robin. Well, actually, I suppose all of when, when When we were younger, a lot of the people that made television probably were sort of studying all the sort of stuff when Tom Baker was the Doctor. Mm. So anytime they wanted to make a reference to Doctor Who, regardless of who the Doctor was at the time, it was Tom Baker. I'm thinking specifically of Matt Groening, of, of The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Also, just the simple fact that Tom Baker just wouldn't let the role go. Yeah. I mean, he did it for eight years? Um, he does seven. still hold the record. 
Uh, it's seven or eight years. Uh, it's um, seven years. But he, um, the better part of a decade. Yeah. Yes. On screen, he holds the record, I think, doesn't he? On screen, he holds the record. Uh, off screen, it's Paul McGann. Paul McGann. Yes, who was the shortest and the longest. I knew a thing. The on-screen doctor with only <laughs> one movie and one webisode. Yes. And <laughs> the longest period of time being the doctor because he did a lot of audio work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and some brilliant audio work too. If we have time, I will briefly try and briefly touch on Big Finish because brilliant, brilliant work is being done there still. Um, but yeah, Fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, uh, all teeth and curls, as John Pertwee <laughs> described him. And um, a lot of scarf. And a lot of scarf. Um, the story behind the scarf is yeah. fantastic. They basically um, went to this, uh, this woman who, who sort of did the odd bit of work for BBC Wardrobe because uh, he said we, we really want the kind of like this uh, uh, this uh, I can't think of the word kind of um, not uh, uh, oh, I can't think of the word <laughs> work around it I'll, I'll find the word for you I'm good at it's this. Uh, like six seven uh, bohemian bohemian kind of look uh, okay. sort of coat scarf like kind of a, like a a nice shirt kind of boots perhaps um and uh, we want that kind of look. And we've got this material because we quite like the idea of him having a long scarf that'll kind of flow behind him, you know, when he runs. That'll kind of, you know, it'll give him quite a lot of uh, dynamic dynamic yeah. on camera. It'll be fantastic. Say, so, look, there's all these different bits of wall, right? Uh, if you could just make a scarf <laughs> out of that. <laughs> and she took it quite literally. She used the lot. She used all of it. <laughs> I have a similar story from my university days about rolling a joint with cannabis, but that's probably not appropriate. Oh, no, go on. <laughs> it was very simple. She used all of it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. That's a good story. <laughs> no, I can imagine that was quite effective. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've just noticed who's saying fantastic and oh, yes. We're getting like, we're getting doctory ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, the doctor stands up and it's Tom Baker. Jelly baby. Jelly baby. And um, uh, there appears to be a problem at unit. A massive robot is walking around killing people. That, that sucks. In the episode entitled Robot. Darn those massive robots. <laughs> Darn those massive robots. <laughs> and it was massive. It was massive. really rubbish. It, oh no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was beautiful in its own way. Did it have ugly puppy syndrome? It did have ugly puppy syndrome. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it looked uh, a bit top heavy. Yeah, it was very top. <laughs> it's amazing. It, I'm sure it probably did fall over at some point. To be honest, it looks. Uh, it would belong in the 40k universe with massive, massive shoulder pauldrons. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and a really big hat. Now, just for t this is the impact that Tom Baker had in his first episode. Because if you forget all the sort of um, all, everything to do with the main arc of the story of Robot, we have the Doctor wake up and he's instantly because he's in unit. He's instantly basically uh, been sort of locked in to the. Um, infirmary for examination um and uh oh, uh, it, oh what's his name i can't remember the name of if one of you could google uh the name of the companion who he runs into at that point uh i think it's it's not ian it's um anyway um oh no he was in it for ages as well um that's gonna do my head in 
Was he the nerdy guy that was in Genesis of the Daleks? Yes, he was. Yeah, I don't remember. And he's brilliant. He is brilliant. Um, that's going to do my head in. But anyway, why do I keep remembering things? He is Harry Sorry, was it Harry? Harry, yes, thank Harry you. Sullivan. Harry Sullivan, and um, Harry is a doctor himself. Uh, and he is given the task of examining the Doctor to make sure he's fighting fit before he can go up against the robot. Now, he is given strict orders, given that the unit is a military organization, to make sure the Doctor doesn't leave. <laughs> the Doctor wants to leave. <laughs> so, Just you try and stop Tom The essence of storytelling is conflict. Yes, absolutely. So the Doctor basically goes on this massive charade of distracting Harry, where he sings songs in his face, tells jokes at him, takes a skipping rope, or like at least like an, a rope or an item of clothing or something, and starts skipping with him while singing in his face. It then cuts away. We then come back to Brig Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart, who then goes into the infirmary. The doctor isn't there. He opens a cupboard, and Harry Sutherland has been tied up, upside down, in a cupboard. <laughs> this is the doctor. We're used to John Pertwee, who's very refined, very kind of British kind of gentleman, kind of very debonair, and now we're just met with this madman. <laughs> This giant lunatic. This giant curly-haired <laughs> And he goes into the TARDIS, because they're like, where's the Doctor? And he's like, oh, he must be in the TARDIS. And at this point, the Doctor's going through the traditional, what am I going to wear phase? And uh, he goes into the TARDIS, and he comes out, and he's wearing all sorts of different costumes. The one that stands out, in my mind, most particular, is he comes out, and he's in full Viking gear. <laughs> he has a horned helmet and a shield and an axe. <laughs> and uh, he's like, how about this? And Bridges is like, um, maybe not? I can't remember the exact line, but like, he's like, maybe something else. And then like, he's trying on loads of different things. He comes out uh, dressed in all sorts of different attire until eventually he comes out in a long scarf, his red blazer, um, and a, a quirky, wide-brimmed hat. And he just goes, oh, this will do. And then he gets on with it. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's, um, like one, it's like one of the costumes he comes out with. He just looks at the Brigadier, and the Brigadier sort of looks at him, and he's like, too much? Too much. You are forgetting as well the, the, one of the biggest parts about that costume. Which costume? The, his actual costume, like his final costume. The yeah. one he actually ended up wearing. Yeah. The, the pockets. Yeah. Oh, of course, yes, his pockets. Never ask him to turn out his pockets. <laughs> no. You'll yeah. be there a while. You would be there a while. Um, although, actually, uh, Patrick Troughton did uh, uh, occasionally, like, he'd have his recorder and have bits of string and a yo-yo and stuff. So it was kind of harking back to that. Um, but he would also have his favorite snack, which was jelly babies as well. See, one now, of the is this that always confused me about robots specifically was that? the robot was actually called K1. Yes. Wait, and wait. one of my favorite companions of all time is a robot dog called K9. Ah, uh, K9. <laughs> the names, however, have nothing to do with each other. It's like, for, for ages, I was like, they, they must be related. K1, K9, there must be... It's part of the same robot program, but I... I no. They're just both called K number for no good reason. <laughs> Apart from the pun of K9. You've gone quiet again. <laughs> I'm here. Well, you haven't, Irish, but they have. 
Have they gone? Oh, it's redialing them. God damn it, guys. So yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. K1 and K9 have nothing to do with each other, which is really annoying and weird. And yes. at the moment, Rob and Jack have nothing to do with us. Um, so yes, that was Robot and the Jelly Babies. Uh, there's a wonderful Star Trek Doctor Who crossover comic that has Matt Smith crossing over into the TNG era to deal with the Cybermen and the Borg. Yes. But the second issue of it, uh, the first issue ends on reference to the fact that this is not the first time the Doctor has entered the Star Trek universe. And then the second issue is printed in this kind of 80s, bold, four-color printing style. Uh, The artwork is very 80s, and it's Tom Baker wandering around in the original series era. It's marvelous. The first hint is you've got um, Spock sort of looking at this white dust on his fingers commenting about um, cornstarch-dusted gelatin formed into the shape of a human infant. Fascinating. <laughs> what do you think? He's been given a jelly baby. Uh, so, yes, we've lost Jack and Rob completely now, so I'm going to try and get them back. No answer from... fuck's sake, guys. Uh, <laughs> desperately vamping to fill time. Uh, fourth Doctor era... Like we said, he went on for a very, very long time, but became a lot of people's favorite. He was interestingly arrogant as a character and sort of mocked people around him an awful lot. One of my favorite lines is from Pyramids of Mars when he's explaining something quite complicated to uh, a very intelligent person who goes, ah, yes, I understand. He goes, I'm sure you don't, but it's marvelous of you to try. Uh, <laughs> And we're back. Welcome back. Thank I'm just you. Vamping. Sorry about that. Um, yes, you're back in the room. Yes. Um, Sky is a big bag of dicks. Told you. Yeah. Indeed. But it's our only option. It is warned you. But yes, I was However, saying K1, K9, names entirely unrelated. But as we, as we were saying, maybe in the K series it got smaller and more efficient. And then I remembered what K9 was like. And I'm like, less efficient. Smaller, certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> K9 was a little bit of a problem. Uh, they didn't think it through in terms of actual production. They realized, hang on a second, we have a companion that is going to be an issue while filming every time we're outside, wow. predominantly in quarries. Oh, because he couldn't go over he it. Couldn't go over it. What is like... that crackling, by the way? That's Irish. Let's stop now. But yes, <laughs> um, it was something the BBC <laughs> it's like didn't know. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something the BBC didn't learn from when they put scutters in Red Dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Robot was great. Um, but then we had. Ent- think they'd have noticed considering they'd had Daleks for a very long time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. The Daleks always had their little sort of uh, runways and little. They, they never invaded the quarries, did they? They always invaded they the cities with the nice flat road. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Quick, flee to the quarries. Yeah, I mean, everyone was kind of, everyone at least had the safety blanket of stairs up until the reboot, at least. Yeah. Well, no, up until McCoy. No, that's very true, actually. Very true. Yes, you are right. Good well, I know, because that, that was my Doctor, and that was one of the most chilling moments in oh. Doctor Who. That was my proper hide behind the sofa of, oh god, Daleks can climb stairs. Yep. No one is but- safe anymore. <laughs> the most sophisticated killing machines had finally learned how to get up a flight of stairs. Yeah, but, but why don't you just, like, I don't know, lie down? 
That was my thing. Oh, yeah. Because their plunger and whatnot could go in a very good degree of movement side to side and up, but not down. Oh, and the other trick is just hug them. Because <laughs> they project out quite a long way. So if yeah. you're inside the range of the plunger and the blaster, <laughs> then you're fine. Yeah. Unfortunately, hug a Dalek. Unfortunately, they, they also they they themselves. Well, they have uh, defense mechanisms against things that touch them as well. Yeah, right? so we'll true. We will cover that later. Um, God, we need to hurry up. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this I don't want to. This, this is going to be a long episode. Oh right? God. Okay. So um, anyway, I put my we have. Your legs? I don't know why you put your coat between my legs, Jack. <laughs> Very strange. Um, can I have a swig of that? <laughs> Oh, yes, please. That'd be oh, very thank nice. Thank you very much. Thank you. A cup of tea. You still like sorry, a... sorry. This is really bad. Would you like a swig of wine between the legs? <laughs> I, I wouldn't anyway. mind. All right, thank I'll get you a glass. Oh, oh. I'm not drinking so it's packed on it. Anyway, I'm gonna just going to keep talking whilst Jack does that. that... Um, <laughs> Ernie is fine, thank you. Ernie's fine, thank you. And it, oh, thank you. Anyway, sorry. So the fourth doctor, um, we entered into this oddly kind of with this really bright, enthusiastic madman. Madman. Um, we entered this very dark era of Doctor Who, where the people in charge decided that they wanted uh, more an element of the gothic. Um, there is a lot of influence in Tom Baker's area. Uh, area. 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 For, from things like Mary Shelley, obviously, um, Hammer Horror, Hammer Horror, oh, absolutely. Um, you get, you even get an episode which is straight out of Dracula, um, State Decay later on, and, um, and Pyramids of Mars with mummies. Pyramids of Mars, which is probably my favourite Tom Baker episode. It's one actually. of my favourites as well. Yeah, one of them, anyway. Absolutely, it's fun. Uh, I was actually mentioning it whilst you were disconnected. I was saying it, it's one of got one of the great lines reflecting Tom Baker's. Uh, sort of fond arrogance. Yes. He, he likes yeah, humans, yeah. but he doesn't think we're equal with him. The, you know, <laughs> uh, oh yes, I understand. Well, I'm certain you don't, but it's marvellous of you to try. Um, <laughs> it's, it's along those lines anyway. I can't remember the exact wording, but... Well, yeah. You do bring up a very good point, actually, because um, although, yes, a very enthusiastic Doctor um, is sort of an element that I think Capaldi's taken on, really, is this kind of uh, an arrogance about him. Yes, um, there, there are moments when I really think Capaldi um, is channeling Baker. Mm -hmm. the, when he was looking for the gravity distortions and sort of stepping forward and backward oddly without explaining what he was doing. <laughs> yes! Or in uh, on the train when he's talking to himself, it almost sounds like it's yeah. him as Capaldi's doctor talking to Tom Baker's doctor. Mm. If you listen to the conversation, I really got that feeling of he's channeling his old self in conversation. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it is th that really, really hits home. Um, it is a very, very noticeable decision that Capaldi has made there and it is it is wonderful it's quite a common thing isn't it about uh, especially among new who of them channeling a specific doctor that was well, their favorite Smith certainly mm. brought a lot of Troughton yeah I remember it, that, that was something he mentioned yes. in a lot of interviews wasn't it the Troughton was his favorite yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I mean if you look at Peter and not to we're not going to skip forward too much here but if you look at Peter Davison's first episode uh, Cash to Valver, um when he when he first What's that? I'm just going to... Nerd! Again. <laughs> um, he, he does channel Hartnell um, um, and Troughton quite early on, actually, uh, in, a, in a really, really cool bit. But I, won't, I won't go into it. Fair but anyway, yeah. Um, absolutely. He had a, a very a very arrogant streak about him. Um, 
thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of, he, he did very much seem to be very much more than human, much more than the others, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so we had some, some wonderful stories, but now we're going to go back to a bit of Time Lord uh, uh, interference, <laughs> as it were. But, but before that, I would like to just point out something This is actually quite wonderful, is that uh, whilst we were in the downtime, yes, it should uh, where, be our, where our internet connection went down, uh, Alex made the, the international symbol for tea, asking if we would like a cup of tea. And we said, yes, thank you. And we expected him to come back with cups of tea. He's come back with milk, sugar, and a teapot full of tea for us to like have at our leisure. <laughs> That's the most wonderfully British thing we could have whilst talking about a wonderfully British sci-fi show. Thank you. thank you, Alex. Thank you very much. Our resident tea lady. Thank well, you very well, much. Well, so do you both. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to give appreciation for that. Uh, carry on. Yeah, well, I mean, Are I know... Are we skipping to the Deadly Assassin? Um, should we? I was thinking we should first do Genesis. Oh, no, yes, yes. Okay, different Time Lord interference. I've, yes. seen, I've seen that. Oh. Now, because the, the, it is, um, there is, it is definite Time Lord inf- interference, but though we are definitely doing Deadly Assassin because, oh. Anyway, <laughs> I, I have a whole theory about how Deadly Assassin may be connected to things that we have yet to see. But uh, Oh, interesting. I'll be interested to hear that because I have I'll all be, sorts of like, theories. Or rather, it's n- not so much a theory, but what I want them to do. Yes. I, uh, I suppose that's what I want as well. Such yeah. as <laughs> to reveal the Pandorica was the master's idea. Ooh. All these races working together. He likes manipulating races into doing his bidding. And not one of the races there would have convinced the others to work with them without outside interference. And that's what we've just said. The master does get people on, on side. Like the Autons, and yep. yeah, I still that's brilliant, regard. man. So, are we going to enter into an agreement here, where if one of us three ends up, or one of us four ends up working on uh, Doctor Who at any point, that we will then cast one of the other four as the Doctor? Yeah, <laughs> make that happen, please. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. Genesis. Genesis is arguably the the most well known story of Tom Baker's reign as the Doctor, uh, simply because it did a wonderful idea. Um, I believe it was um, Terry Nation, creator of the Daleks, uh, went away because he was told to do a Dalek script. First of all, they just do, do just do a Dalek script. And he went away and he came back. Did he just say exterminate and he said, over again? He basically gave them the script and they read it and they were like, I think we've already filmed. <laughs> I think we've already filmed this Dalek story. It's very similar to basically every other Dalek story we've ever done, ever. And he was like, oh, oh I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> that is the problem with Daleks, though. Yeah, it kind is. Of, there's only one thing they want to do, so they tend to try and do it every yes. time they turn up. They do, and to be fair, that's good character work. (laughs) (laughs) It's dedication to the bit. Dedication, absolutely. They do have dedication. They've got a really good motif. They do have a motif. They just, oh God. (laughs) They they just love it. They love it. Can't get enough. (laughs) They love a bit of extermination. Would you like like some more genocide, Daleks? And they're like, as they pour pour genocide onto their genocide flakes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Willerside of genocide. So from a storytelling point of view, that's their weakness. But it's also from the point of view of genocide, their strength. That's exactly it. And, you know, they they thought to themselves, you know, they said, look, let's do it. Let's find out. Let's give the Daleks more depths. Depths? Depth. Let's find out where they came from. So space. Terence, well, kind of. Um, uh, Terminator went away and he came back with this masterpiece of television. Um, yes, please. Um, called The Genesis of the Daleks, um, which told the story of the planet Scaro before the bad things happened. Now, we knew before that obviously the Daleks had taken over the planet a long time ago and had basically built their empire from there. Didn't know what happened. And what we're presented with is this very kind of, like you said before, Jack, uh, Nazist kind of regime that is fighting a war against sort of another kind of well then they're, they're not as bad it's the start the Khalids and the Thals that's right uh and the Khalids are essentially the Nazis uh and the Thals are they're militaristic else. but they're not as bad um and uh the doctor is kind of visited by a time lord and says you've been brought here because we need you to stop the Daleks before they happen. And it's then you realize that the Daleks haven't actually been made yet, or rather this is the very uh, the early stages of their development. And the this doctor- is the opportunity to go back in time and kill Hitler. That's right. Yeah. Let's kill Hitler. Um, Which ironically had nothing to do with that. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was a different episode that came later. It was. Put Hitler in the cupboard. <laughs> Um, we'll get to that. Don't worry, Jack. <laughs> Jack just looked at me like, "What?" Yep, they put Hitler in the cupboard. They put Hitler in the cupboard. What's that knocking? Oh, that'll be Hitler. That'll be uh, Hitler. Uh, <laughs> um, gonna, I'll be. I'll be back. In a oh, Jack's go. left the room. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Make- <laughs> He's going to make water. That's nice. Um, going to the necessary house. Okay, the necessary house. I'm going to do the one thing that no man can do for me. Stop it. This is terrible radio, Jack. Just go and pee. Yeah, right. Just go and pee. So, He's yes, Genesis of the Daleks. So Genesis of the Daleks. Yes, Doctor. the Doctor is the spanner in the works, or the potential spanner in the works of the Daleks' development. Um, and I'm not going to go into the story too much, because I'm sure most of you listening probably have some kind of aware and awareness of what it is anyway. Um, but... Um, he, uh, we are then introduced to the character of Davros, who is the creator of the Daleks, uh, and he is portrayed brilliantly um, by. Oh, again, I wish I'd done my research. Uh, I would know the guy's His name, name was Michael Wisher. Michael Wisher, thank you, thank you very much. Um, Michael Wisher, absolutely brilliant performer. Actually, rehearsed all of his parts for Davros whilst wearing a paper bag on his head. <laughs> No, 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 no lie. He actually did. Um, this is because um, the actor wanted to um, uh, have the feel of what it would be like to have prosthetics on his face. He knew he was going to be heavily mm. prosthetics, um, if that is a word. Um, prosthetized. Prosthetized. Um, so, yeah, he actually requested that he would wear a paper bag on his head whilst <laughs> rehearsing. However, he forgot that he would be rehearsing for about three weeks with Tom Baker. Tom Baker took advantage of Michael Wisher wearing a bag on his head. I bet he did. 
and decided to tell everyone that's the people who the director, that's all the other people playing all the different roles, to keep saying the lines, but to slowly begin backing out of the room whilst Tom Baker finds the key to the rehearsal room <laughs> and locks the door <laughs> and they run away. Oh. What a dick! Tom Baker loved having a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and there'd be a time where he'd be like, right, pub. And they would go. Eventually, Michael Wisher realizes they've gone, realizes the door is locked, and realizes he is alone in the rehearsal room with a paper bag. And that's, in his yeah, that's he's alone in the rehearsal room with a paper bag. Said <laughs> later, they're in the pub. Michael Wisher turns up and sits down next to them. He doesn't say a word. However, they notice when they go back, the window is open. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Wisher, Davros. Had to climb out of the window to then go to the pub with the doctor. <laughs> I love that story. It's just like, what a dick. <laughs> but um, anyway, yes, um, it's a brilliant story that accumulates uh, or culminates with the doctor being given the choice to destroy the Daleks. It's a very famous scene where he is sat there in this corridor with, uh, with two wires that are uh, wired up to a massive amount of explosives. And, um, He's got the two wires right next to each other, and he then has the very kind of moral kind of dilemma as to whether he has that right, which is his exact words. Do I have that right? Have I the right? Exactly. Uh, and it's, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, which is another thing I come back to in terms of the Doctor and his pacifism, is he didn't yeah. reject the concept of genocide immediately. Nope. He just sat there and went, hmm, should I commit genocide? Mm -hmm. definitely tempting it's like that is who the doctor is yeah that's right it's like the whole thing of well they will go on to become monsters but at this point they haven't done that yet so strictly speaking if we set this timeline in motion i will have murdered an entire species that technically has done not nothing wrong but on a galactic scale, nothing wrong. At this point, they had already started murdering people. The um, the Daleks had been ordered by Davros to begin attacking uh, the Thals uh, and the Khalids, actually. They, they, they oh, the basically... Khalids, yeah. the, the impure Khalids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I'm not going to go into the depths of the story, but basically the Daleks are attacking everyone yeah. by the end. And uh, to the point where Davros, the super genius, forgets that he is not pure. And it is then the Daleks realize this, surround him, and exterminate him. Uh, for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he gets better. He gets better. And there, are, there are certain things in Doctor Who that no matter how many times they're killed for the last time, yeah. will come back. Davros is one of them. The Master is one of them. The Daleks, the Daleks. as a whole are one of them. Yeah. yeah. My my one thing about Davros is that since the genesis of the Daleks, I don't believe there has been as strong a story as that, including Davros. Um, he has come back a few times, um, but never with never with such depth of writing or, 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 in my mind, as good a performance. Like, I still think the other people that came along after who played him were good, mm. but... Wish a man he had it down. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Julian, Julian Bleach was very good, in but he it was in a terrible story. 
in yeah, my opinion. That's true. Because uh, in Genesis, Davros it sort of took on board the whole evil thing. Um, yeah. And there was, there was a oh, moral complexity to him, mm. which was missing in later portrayals when he was just the leader of the Daleks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is that seat. I know which bit you mean now. Uh, the, do- the Doctor says to him, um, uh, whilst the, the great thing about that episode is that they, they basically, they do battle with debate, these guys. The Doctor and Davros, men of, uh, you know, uh, learning. Uh, le- men of learning, absolutely. They are debating. And the Doctor says... Davros, if I were to give you a small, um, um, a, a small vial, and within it was a deadly virus that could wipe out the entire world's population, and you had that power to just break that vial, and that virus would go on to spread and destroy countless of innocent lives, would you do it? And then Davros takes a pause, and he thinks about it, and goes, to have that amount of power at my fingertips yes i would do it and he goes mental and he goes on like a maniacal rant rant for ages about he how that would make him the most you know the most powerful uh, and the most widely regard uh, like um revered individual in history like yeah. He's mental. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's brilliant. It's just fantastic writing. Um, and luckily, we have the voice of reason of Tom B. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's the thing. Later, later in, the, uh, in the episode, Tom Baker has that power in his fingertips. Absolutely. Ooh. That's, that's where nice, it leads back to, nice really. Parallel, it is. It is. It's absolutely fantastic. But, um, yeah, Tom Baker, really, really good stories. I mean, there are so many that I'd want to go into as well. Like... Um, I think we should talk about Deadly Assassin for a bit. I think we should. To give context to what I want to talk about later. But Brain and Morbius as well. Another fantastic one. Very Mary Shelley. Uh, a Time Lord's brain um, on the, the planet of Khan, which we then later see in that uh, webisode with um, Paul McGann, with the sister of Khan. Um, oh, God, this is so much I want to talk about. That's but cool. I, 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 no, no, let's, let's speed up a little bit. I mean, like, yeah, it's like, a long episode. Yeah, but we yeah, are, yeah. We're, we're we'll, a couple of hours in, but... Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Deadly Assassin then. So Deadly Assassin, um, fantastic. Uh, the Doctor is summoned back to Gallifrey, um, where essentially there is an electoral dispute going on, um, and a high-ranking Time Lord official is murdered. Um, now, the bit that I really want to cover on this episode is not so much the story itself, but a device that's used within this story. Essentially, it is the master that is behind it, and the master has returned after, well, since uh, Roger Del- Delgado had um, obviously not been in the series anymore, yeah. tragically dying. Um, now, the master um, had this whole plan which involved this um, really complex kind of uh, system known as the matrix okay the matrix is the matrix nobody could film. be told what the matrix is <laughs> so it's a, it it's must a, be seen for yourself it's, it's a it's a fake computerized world absolutely as it tom lee is yes it is the 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 very concept in doctor who way before the rakowskis even came up with it Um, is basically the essential idea is that you can basically put anything into the matrix um, uh, in particular information 
uh, and lots of Time Lord knowledge and history and things. But the Time Lords, um, uh, and with uh, later on in the 50th anniversary, with their art as well, seem to like to to um, freeze aspects of time or aspects of different worlds and things into uh, into stasis almost, or into different worlds or realities. This is a completely different reality in its own right. It is this oh this this um this world uh, or almost universe they kind of imply it's a different universe almost the um where the rules can be changed by the person who is in control for people um, who have been watching series eight and are up to date and if this yeah. is sounding a bit like the gallifreyan hard drive used to create the uh, afterlife you know which far is off. which is why i want to talk about this like at some point because oh man they could do so much with this um you have one of the most famous of Tom Baker's lines where he is trapped within the Matrix. Um, and uh, as Matt Smith said in a really, really good speech of his in, in his uh, uh, in, in his reign was, uh, I walked in a universe where the laws of physics were devised by the mind of a madman. That was the master because the master was messing up, mess, messing with the matrix and basically using it to his own devices. Um, and Tom Baker says, I deny this reality. This reality is a computation matrix. Um, and it's that <laughs> image of him putting his hand up like that uh, with the raised hand. There's a very, very famous kind of image of him yeah. doing that. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the deadly assassin? Uh, d- uh, Irish, you've been very quiet. Do you know anything about the deadly assassin? Uh, I know of it. I've not actually seen it. Okay. Simon? I think, uh, well, it was um, fairly pivotal uh, pivotal in bringing back the Master. Yes. Uh, which was fantastic because the Master is one of my favourite antagonists. Yeah. It was also any episode that delves into Time Lord society and culture I love because mm-hmm. I love fleshing that world out, which is why I'm so pleased we're starting to deal with Gallifrey again in New Who. Yeah. And I mean, The Matrix was a lot of fun as a concept and as you say, has a lot of potential to be brought back and Moffat loves bringing back things. The Great Intelligence, yes. the Salurans, the Centaurans, they've all come. Yeah. And um, The Matrix, like I said, he's been hinting at that technology with the Gallifreyan hard drive. The, the, the doors have been opened to these computation matrices. <laughs> uh, and I'm okay with that. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot that can be done there, and we'll talk about that later. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they brought back um, the great intelligence in an era when Matt Smith was channeling Troughton. Yes. And they've brought back Gallifreyan virtual realities and, uh, to some degree, the Master and the Cybermen in an era where the Doctor is clearly channeling uh, the fourth doctor yeah huh. that's cool is is you're right you got it right on the uh, right on the money there it is um very much that way it seems um so did at some point tom baker climb a radio tower yes uh, if we're going to get there absolutely we should probably go there we've mentioned lots of great stories but yes um in tom baker's final story logopolis the master returns once again um the master actually went through a really weird change where um, uh, Tr- uh, Tremas, played by Anthony Ainley, a wonderful actor, um, 
basically had his body robbed by the broken husk of the master that we saw in Deadly Assassin. Um, Because he's at the end of his regenerations and he's basically festering away. He's a corpse. He's horrible. Um, Cool. Really cool. And he basically body snatches him like... um, takes his life force, as it were, to rejuvenate himself, and he escapes in his TARDIS. The next time we see him uh, is um, Logopolis, where basically um, uh, is a a planet where people basically are making the building blocks of the universe with mathematics, essentially. Okay. It's crazy. Okay. Um, And uh, things that they build sort of mirror themselves in different civilizations around the world. And they build something that looks an awful lot like a uh, (laughs) a 1970s, 1980s built sort of radio, um, not radio, um, sort of satellite dish thing. Um, And... um, to hurry this up a bit, uh, essentially the story... <laughs> he <laughs> dies. Um, <laughs> she dies. Um, the story involves Tom Baker having to uh, uh, get on to the top of this thing to uh, deactivate a basic universe crippling uh, catastrophe the Master has put in place. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, while saving the universe, once again, um, Tom Baker falls... Uh, or rather the Doctor Falls, and they all look at different times, which is great. If you watch their reaction, there's Tegan, uh, Adric, and um, Lissa, and they're all watching him up there, and he falls, and you see their reaction, and they all look down at different points, like uh, they clearly hadn't been directed very well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Well, they had to rush. They always had to rush. That was the only, that's another downside. Yes, because they had to go to the pub. That's right. Now, uh, does anyone know when... Uh, Tom Baker's doctor started to regenerate. Who? What was the face that we were agreed to? Whose face were we going oh, with? Uh, oh, oh, uh, Peter Davison. Peter Davison. He wore a cricket jumper. He did wear a with a jumper. leak. Uh, celery. 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 Yes. Um, he was the super nice doctor. Is that right? He was a very nice doctor. He was very um, human. Uh, well, he was very approachable, put it that way. Like he was, he was very sen- he was very sensitive and almost like a vulnerable. He had a vulnerable quality to him. Um, the reason he had celery was because at the time, John, a man named John Nathan Turner, infamous. <laughs> he's infamous uh, in uh, Classic Who because uh, essentially he he made quite a lot of questionable decisions about Doctor Who. Some people will heartily agree with whatever he did. Some people, like me, for instance, kind of question why he did things. He was the one responsible for Colin Baker's coat, for example. The coat of many colours. The coat of many, many, many colours. Um, now, uh, he was also responsible for Peter Davison wearing a cricket outfit. And having a stick of celery on his lapel, Peter Davison only agreed to have it if, by the end of his reign, they 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 explained why it was there, which they did. Um, so there literally wasn't a reason to begin with. It was just why not? Yeah, right. Okay. It was a hook. Uh, it was a, a quirk of the character. Absolutely. And um, even in Tom Baker's, uh, even with Tom Baker, they, these question marks started appearing on his costumes. Hmm. On uh, Tom Baker's lapels, I believe it was, uh, there were question marks. Um, and I believe the same with Peter Davison, actually, he had question marks. And these, this question mark motif started appearing. Until you get to McCoy. And... Until you had McCoy, who had a fucking question mark umbrella. And um, question marks all down his jumper. question mark all down his jumper, absolutely. Um, Davison, oh, see, I don't want to, like, rush them, but... Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
But with Davison, we had some really good stories. We had, to my mind, one of the best Doctor Who stories ever, which is called Earthshock. I've heard of it. Now, uh, do you guys know what happened in Earthshock? Uh, that is, I believe, that's the Cybermen story, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. Um, I do know what happened in Earthshock, but people don't. Earthshock was famous because it it re- it brought the Cybermen back mm-hmm. uh, with a vengeance. They were brilliant in that. Um, is this the story uh, that introduces their weakness to gold, or um, already established? I think that was established earlier. I could be wrong, but yes, it, they I know do. it comes up in this. One. <laughs> they are slightly allergic to gold. Ah. <laughs> um, that's how that's how me and Sabina managed to get away from them in the Doctor Who RPG. Really? Yeah. I wish I played that. Because Sabina's character was a was a, an eleventh century Icelandic Viking, <laughs> and ended up like getting a, one of the old soft gold ducats. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was made of pure gold, so it was quite a soft metal, and just basically just like jamming that shit into a Cyberman's vent. Cool. <laughs> the Cybermen, uh, from this point, always started talking like this. Like, whenever the Doctor would get away, they would say, the Doctor has gotten away. And the, other, the, the Cyber Controller would always go, inconceivable. <laughs> like, everything that happens would be inconceivable for the Cybermen. You know what? We're going to have to add in. You keep saying this word. I don't think you'll know what it means. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It always makes me think of that. Um, but yeah, they were, they were infamous for saying inconceivable. However, this was uh, quite a jarring episode of Doctor Who because at the very end, um, a quite a long-running companion from Tom Baker's era, uh, Andrick, um, sacrificed himself for, the, for them to escape and blew up a spaceship that he was on with the Cybermen. Um, this was the first, uh, I think the only ever episode where the credits rolled in complete silence. And the only thing that you could see, there was no sort of like the usual... We shouldn't have talked about the theme tune, really, shouldn't we? Uh, but the, uh, instead of that, there is just this, this image of Adric's... Adric had basically this gold star he always wore. And he was given that gold star, a gold star in mathematics. <laughs> Because he was a nerd, yeah. um, and you just had his star just on the floor, broken in half, oh. whilst the credits go up oh. in silence. Oh god! And you're thinking, oh, because there is there is a thing in Doctor Who about companions who span generation regenerations tend to become really popular, like Sarah Jane, yeah, Adric, um, Rose. Rose became ridiculously popular. Yeah, um, we haven't seen it happen with Clara yet, but well, um, she's had. Ace, yeah, yeah, she's not exactly that popular. Is, is, Ace, is Ace one of them? Ace, no, Ace no. Uh, McCoy only. Oh, okay, unless you're going to talk about the crossing of I don't things. No idea what that is. I just, I just yeah. remember Simon talking about Ace. So I thought no, I, would, I just Ace. really like Ace. Is amazing. Ace is probably that was the scariest. <laughs> Ace is amazing. Uh, Ace is fantastic. Uh, but we'll get to Ace in a bit. Um, uh, also, and you know it's really odd, but the other the other story that really stands out for me with Peter Davison is the Caves of Andrizani, which was his final one. Mm-hmm. I hate to skip over it. Uh, maybe we took so long on Tom Baker because he was there the longest. Yeah, there, you there, go. there we go. Yes. So uh, we yeah, we've got to pick up speed because we need to talk about Series Eight at, at least briefly at some well, point. I'll tell you what, we could just make this the classic Who rundown and come back and do Series Eight to. another time. Yeah. That's the plan. I, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with or, that. Or indeed, do New Who another time. Yeah. 
because I've seen so I've actually seen some of New Who. I actually I think saw all of the first season that had David Tennant in. Oh, cool. So season two of New Who. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, that was really fun to say. Okay. Uh, well, in that case, we'll go to 1996 then. <laughs> We'll go up to him again. We'll, we'll run to him again. <laughs> that's, that's really jumping forward. Okay, so we're... No, no, no. We'll go up we'll to We'll stop 1960. there is what yes. I mean. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to McGann's Doctor movie, then we'll stop. <laughs> Which is what was a big jump. Yeah. And then yeah. there'll be a long pause, and you won't know when we're coming back, because it's us. <laughs> and that'll be kind of fitting, really. It will be. And then we'll come back with New Who and our gay agenda. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. Sorry, our Welsh agenda. Yeah. We've so, had um, Welsh agenda on World on Stage 1 for years. That's true. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, so, Peter Davison, Cave Zandrazani, uh, he comes across... Um, uh, a nemesis, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I can't actually remember his name, though. But uh, this individual who's sort of obsessed with uh, aesthetics and is obsessed with beauty, and he's this really kind of um, menacing kind of character. Um, if one of you two could Google that, that would be that fantastic. Sarah's Jack? Yes. Okay. What? what? <laughs> I didn't know what. What? Did you agree to something you didn't hear? Yes. <laughs> Shara's Jeff. Shara's Jeff. Yes. You still look like you don't know what he said. <laughs> yes. No, I, I know. I know what you said. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm pretty sure. That, yeah, you're right. It is. You have no idea, do you? Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't know this Fred story, but I have to You are a shit liar. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Kozanjanani's really good. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I believe that. Um, I believe you when you say that. There is is so heartbreaking though. Um, ah, there's another companion that uh, crosses over, albeit very briefly. Uh, Canine Perry. 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 Um, for some reason, they decided to. She was uh, the actress playing her uh, British, but they decided to make her American. Okay, which is cool, you know. Um, and uh, acting. Huh? Acting. Acting. The power of the acting. <laughs> anyway, she was American. Oh, um, and uh, yeah, she she actually was uh, a, a, a multi-generational. multi-generational companion, absolutely. Um, but the Doctor uh, became, uh, they both became heavily irradiated within the caves of Androzani. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go into the story. I explained Genesis of the Daleks. They go into a cage. They go into a cage. They come out. They're, they came out. They're irradiated. Like, it's, it all goes horribly wrong. Um, the Doctor, being the Doctor, manages to basically make a kind of antidote sort of thing, really, that can basically save one of them. Uh, me and the doctor knows he will be able to regenerate. Yep. Obviously, he's a very selfless kind of guy. Sometimes. Sometimes. He knows he can regenerate, so yeah. it's not so bad. Um, or he thinks he can, anyway. Because sometimes, you never know. He, he, it's not just a given that he will regenerate. The doctor can be killed. Okay, but there we go. Um, whilst regenerating. That is when he is at his most vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. If you shoot him in the head, for example, which we do see at one point, um, whilst he's trying to regenerate, he dies. Huh. But there we go. Um, yeah, so uh, he, he basically regenerates. And tying back into Earthshock, what was uh, Peter Davidson's doctor's last word? Is this death? I thought it was Adric. 
Oh. You're right, actually. Oh. I think you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah, like right. that. I like that. But then he regenerates. His face changes into that of Colin Baker. Now, we'd seen Colin Baker previously, which gives another uh, boost to the theory of maybe he has influence of his regenerations because Colin Baker played a Gallifreyan uh, guardsman uh, of the Gallifreyan military, I believe. Um, and uh, yeah, all of a sudden he's a doctor. So that's another thing to suggest that he has influence over what his face looks like. Was he the angry doctor? Uh, well, as soon as he'd finished regenerating, he, he sat up. He started strangling his companion. And he started <laughs> strangling her! <laughs> he is the doctor, like it or not. But actually, you know what? My, fav my favourite thing about... Um, my favourite thing about him regenerating, because I actually got... Since we last had a really long conversation about Doctor Who, I've, I've watched a lot more. Yes. And you know what? Colin Baker, I, oh, I'm not, I can't even go into it, but Colin Baker has such a rough deal. Yeah. Like, yeah no, oh, they no, treated I, him like shit. You're all aware. You're all aware. Then that's good. Like, and I'm sure people listen to probably trying know. to get that show off the air by they writing full scripts. so hard to get rid of them. Which was ridiculous. Um, but anyway. To me, that is his defining line is, I am the Doctor. Like right. it or not. Yes. Because the BBC clearly didn't. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> That's, but when he sat up after, in that same episode where Peter Davison had been him, and then he obviously regenerates, I love it because he is just so, so smarmy and, like, uh, uh, and he's so kind of authoritarian. Change, my dear. And not a moment, not a moment too soon. soon. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> You're horrible again. <laughs> yeah, he came back as a real bastard. I do like Colin Baker's Doctor. I hate his storylines, but I like his Doctor. Do. But again, Colin Baker, although although he had some really bad storylines, he did have one or two which were fantastic. He had Vengeance on Varos, which was pretty good, albeit a bit surreal. And then he also had the series-long epic Trial of a Time Lord, which is a very, very important um, aspect of the show, despite it like being essentially uh, the series start, that season starts, I believe it was the second and last um, of, um, oh no, he only had one, didn't he? Or did he have two? Well, he kind of had a season-long plot line. He did have a season-long plot line, yeah. I think he had two. I'm pretty sure yeah. he had two then. Um, the, basically, the season-long plot line was that the Doctor was on trial for his various misdeeds that Time Lord still again. thought. Again, yes, he's yeah. on trial. Um, uh, and that all ties back once again into um, The Matrix uh, and it being used as a manipulative tool not only by the Master, but... In fact, it wasn't even the master at all in that episode. It was a mysterious mysterious figure known as the Valyard. Now, does anyone know who the Valyard is? Oh, yes. A darker aspect of the Doctor, somewhere between his 12th and 13th regeneration. Thank you. Ooh, okay. Which is where we are in continuity with Capaldi. Yep. Wait, is he the 12th or is he the 13th? Yes. <laughs> oh, right. Good response. Right. Um, okay. He is the twelfth Doctor. He is the thirteenth incarnation. <laughs> right. Yes, because Doctor X, Doctor <laughs> Doctor X, the War Doctor. <laughs> He's on Action Man, villain Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, Although that would be amazing. Yes, it would. Sean Hurt with a Mohican and a robot. Oh my god! That has to happen. Anyway. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, the Valyard is really interesting. And I, I, I can't, again, I, this is something that I believe 
could be tied in with the whole thing that I've been talking about with the uh, the Deadly Assassin being linked, with the Matrix being linked, with Trial of a Time Lord being linked, there is a link to the new Who that we're not going to go into. So I'm yes, going to I'm going to have loves. to talk about this another time, which is going to kill me because I I'm really pleased with myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Moffat loves classic Who. He loves convoluted stories, yep. and he loves these references that yep. you know fans, dedicated fans, will get. So I I would absolutely love to see a reference to the Valyard, and I'm. I've been thinking for a while that there is a theme in Series 8, Am I a Good Man? Yeah. I, he's got a darker aspect in the back of his mind that he knows is coming. That's yeah. what has been driving this series for me. It's when Kapow, uh, in fact, again in this first episode where he says, I'm the Doctor, I'm a Time Lord, I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. <laughs> and it's like, oh... Yeah. Oh, so you say Colin Baker is a he? He did good with what he had. Yeah. Absolutely, okay. Anyone uh, as the Doctor in that time would have suffered greatly, uh, and I feel that even his regeneration was an insult. Colin Baker's Doctor basically regenerates because he hits his head by falling over in the TARDIS. Oh. <laughs> The, st- the, the, is, the next season is, starts. That is up there with the death of Captain Kirk. Basically. Falling down a hill. It's, it's, it's worse, I'd say. Oh, because at least you have the hill. Like, the Doctor <laughs> just and, and falls also, over. Kirk was shot. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, fair enough. Tar- in the back, wasn't he? It's been ages yeah, since all generations. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I, he was originally meant to be shot in the back, but refused. Shatner yeah. refused to be shot in the back. So I think he was shot in the front. Oh, okay. And, so, and the, the shot didn't kill him. He was then crushed by a bridge. Awesome. <laughs> but the Doctor... What I'm saying is William Shatner to play the next Doctor. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a horrible concept, it would but I love it. the world. <laughs> you know what? And Leonard Nimoy is the master. <laughs> Swap them around and I'm sold. Oh, God. Bill Shatner is the master. <laughs> oh, God. That would work. <laughs> um... But yeah, essentially, he he hits his head on the fucking console and regenerates. The Rani is basically attacking the Doctor's TARDIS. Um, however, Colin Baker wasn't there to do his scene. Did he? Did he refuse, or did he? Nope, he wasn't allowed to do it. What? Nope. They just said they, he basically. The last time he heard from Doctor Who, he was like, "So, am I doing another season?" No, that's right. He said, uh, they, they said, basically, Colin, we need to, you know, we're, we're done here. Yeah. And he goes, well, you know, I, I, like, when, that's right. They said, when would you like, when, when do you want to go? And he was like, uh, well, if I have to go, then I'd, I'd, I'd rather like have a season to sort of build up to it. And they were like, hmm. No. Okay. Bye. <laughs> 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 they put down the phone. The next thing Colin Baker reads in the newspapers is that Sylvester McCoy will be playing the Doctor. And he's like, what? <laughs> and and if anyone so regenerated from Sylvester McCoy in a Colin Baker wig to Sylvester Absolutely. McCoy out of a Colin Baker wig. Right. To, to get the whole story, oh because I won't be able to tell you it. Uh, in any as near detail as what there is, it's really, really quite fascinating about how the BBC was working back then because they were a corrupt bunch of spineless bastards, essentially, <laughs> what they did to the show. Not like now. Um, not like now at all. Um, no, but at least they treat Doctor Who with a bit more respect because, you know, it gets them a lot of money now. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But anyway, uh, go on YouTube. I believe it's still there. There is a, a almost hour long uh, sort of documentary about Colin Baker's run and what happened in that era. Mm. It's called Trials and Tribulations. Trials because trial of time, or yeah, tribulations because yeah. they fucked him over. <laughs> um, Concise but accurate. <laughs> Thank You're you. quite passionate about. I am passionate because you know. Oh man. Um, but yeah, uh, watch it. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, and it will give you a whole other outlook on, on Colin Baker's run. Um, but yeah, Sylvester McCoy. Yep. What do we know about Sylvester? In fact, you know, was Simon, a- do you want to do Sylvester McCoy? As he, <laughs> you, you, he was actually your doctor, wasn't he? He was. He was so go on. after I started watching. I may have started watching um, Colin Baker, but if I did, I don't remember it. Yeah, uh, certainly the doctor I remember coming in on was Sylvester McCoy, the the first Scottish doctor. Damn right, uh, and he had this combination of utterly horrific and utterly ridiculous stories, sort mm-hmm. of alternating. Uh, did he fight Bertie Bassett? He did fight a giant anthropomorphized Bertie Bassett. Yes, um, <laughs> Candyman. And then Candyman. I think it was in the next or immediately prior serial he did i cannot remember the name of it but it was a sort of a luxury hotel with a robot staff that mm. were eating guests yep. that was horrific it was just nightmarish um and he had bonnie langford as his companion which was oh. not great they were um, just trying to kill the show they were trying to kill the show but then he got ace uh dorothy ah who was amazing, a young woman with anarchist symbols on her leather jacket, a baseball bat, and a backpack full of explosives. I like her already. Ace was the one that basically got the doctor to take the steel baseball bat she already had uh, and and basically engineer it so it would have an incredibly powerful electrical current running through it. <laughs> yep. So that when the Dalek would explode through the classroom window, because they'd gone back to Cole Hill School where um, uh, Susan... Uh, from William Hartnell's era, uh, his granddaughter had gone to school. Um, uh, I believe it's in there anyway, but the Dalek explodes through this door and Ace is there ready for it with this fucking baseball bat and is dodging every shot that it makes, dodging around it, slamming it in the side and like just keeps dodging around it and hitting the crap out of this Dalek and until she smashes his eye stalk off and I believe kicks it down some stairs. That's how you you beat a a villain in like most of the new Mario games. You learn learn the attack pattern, you dodge out of the way, then you hit it. (laughs) It's essentially what it is, but it is is absolutely fantastic and you're sort of sat there with your mouth open, like just like, oh my God, no companion has ever beaten a Dalek to death before. (laughs) And that was in uh, possibly my favourite storyline of McCoy's run, Remembrance of the Daleks. Yes. Which I love for a number of reasons. One, again, in the conversation of is the Doctor a pacifist, his reaction to seeing a Dalek is to say, Ace, give me all the explosive you currently have. Yes. (laughs) I am going to blow the fuck out of these Daleks. Mm -hmm. Um, It has the super-powered baseball bat. It also has the Abomination, the special weapon Dalek. Special weapon Dalek is amazing. Uh, Which is... Special weapon Dalek. It is a Dalek with a massive battle cannon in its sort of chest, mid-height. Um, okay. <laughs> and it is in, if you go and do Big Finish in the novels and, and read more about it, it's utterly insane. It's been driven yes. insane to be a, a monstrous opponent on the battlefield. It is the abomination. The Daleks consider it too into genocide. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Which is why it was in the Asylum, in Asylum of the Daleks. Yes. 
Uh, and this was also, of course, the serial in which the Daleks learnt how to climb stairs, which was really fucking scary. Yep. Uh, it's also where the, the greatest show in the galaxy comes from as a title. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> was also in Sylvester McCoy's run, but his final serial was Survival, which... Oh my god. I have to say... I this was the doctor I sort of grew up on and he went out on a planet of furries. Yes. What? The last episode of Doctor Who for people that thought that was it was the doctor on a cheetah planet. On a cheetah what? planet where the master became a cat. Yep. What? The last time we saw the master in in serial TV Doctor Who, he was a cat. He was a cat. <laughs> That is marvellous. That was how Doctor Who would ended. have ended. This is while Sylvester McCoy, I might add, does once again try and smash someone's head in yep. with a rock. Yep, he, he brought it full circle. He really did channel a bit of Hartnell. Because uh, Seven was an incredibly grumpy Doctor. It was He was a Scottish Doctor. Who was not above abandoning his companions... Nope to die, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. because he had a cunning plan that he wasn't telling them. Yep. Uh, something he that, does that we've seen Capaldi do as well, actually. Yep. He leaves Ace. And Ace... Several times. Like, has a fucking go at him. Right? He's like, <laughs> what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I had a plan. And it's like, you are a nut job. <laughs> but Don't then... do that. He was the, he was, so he was a sort of uh, slightly eccentric... Massive air quotes there, like uncle figure. Well, that's it. I mean, he was originally he was sort of really, really sternly directed, like, and he was told to be this light-hearted kind of clownish kind of individual. Like McCoy came from an almost like um, he came from a very comedy-heavy background. Like yeah, yeah. he was all sort of in, into physical comedy. But in his in his second season, second and last, I believe it was, he uh, he, he got, had three. I think did he have three? I didn't know that. I thought he had two. I could be wrong. Anyway, in his last one, he is basically given a bit more leeway, and he does... He becomes this really kind of dark doctor. And then he gets put on a planet of cheetahs. And then, then he gets, gets put, put on a planet of cheetahs, yes. Of horse-riding cheetah people. Horse-riding cheetahs. They did Planet of the Apes, but with cheetahs. <laughs> but it was in Surrey. <laughs> with a terrible filter uh, over the camera. Oh, it, was a, it was a red gradient filter, so they were trying to make the sky look red. But because they'd filtered the camera, yep. anyone whose head overlapped with the sky got a bit red too. Yeah. <laughs> it was not good. I mean, the budget was small and they were about to cancel it after They all. were dying. They were dying. But they didn't die. Did they? <sighs> no. They regenerated. Uh, <laughs> didn't now this is something I remember Troy mentioning to me is that didn't Sylvester McCoy regenerating into McCoy do you see that thing at the beginning of the film I've seen the film yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. did McCoy regenerate into McGann or does it does oh, it yeah, just yeah, yeah. no he regenerated yeah. into McCoy is it, is it, I, I've had it described to me as literally one of the most harrowing scenes in a movie it's horrible yeah the thing is McCoy's death or rather the seventh doctor's death is horrible yeah we will t- we will we will not touch on big finish but in the dark days as they are known <laughs> uh where you know, it really was like when Doctor Who was gone like uh, basically this this new culture emerged where Doctor Who fans weren't only just you know remembering the old episodes they loved they started creating them and a little team called Big Finish started getting together and started 
Uh, well, actually, they, I think they Big Finish actually were in between the film, but there, there were basically lots of novelizations happening, lots of lots and lots of storytelling still yeah. being done with Doctor Who. Anyway, 1996 comes along, and um, uh, the permission is bought to have uh, the Doctor Doctor Who come back uh, uh, as a pilot to be shown in as a, both a collaborative effort between. Um, uh, I believe it. It was it was American and British companies, but and it Canadian. Was, it was and Canadian. Yes, because it was filmed. It was filmed in uh, Vancouver. Yes, Vancouver. I'm just going to guess it's Vancouver. It might, that's where they film everything. Yeah, um, but essentially the story begins, and I'm not going to go into it too much because obviously we've been talking for ages. But I will tell you how the Seventh Doctor dies. Is he mugged? It's kind of a little bit worse in a way. Because and then he's taken into the, hospital. Yeah, right. The TARDIS lands, he gets out. There's already been this exposition about these uh, these gangs that are fighting. And the Doctor is simply caught in the crossfire. Mm. He's gunned down and yep. he just collapses. It's a full-on gang shooting and yep. he just wanders into the crossfire. Just and wanders into the crossfire. Bullets. Bam. Oh. Dead. Well, not dead, but bleeding out. Yeah. They put him up, they get him into a hospital and... Um, Carmen, Carmen is playing um, the the opera. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm not gonna. That was beautiful. I'm not going to do that ever again. I, um, you should. That was really quite good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> anyway, um, how dare you compliment him? Yes. <laughs> Um, You're right, it was an unexcusable compliment. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. um, And they basically don't get it. They're trying to operate on him. They're trying to put him under. They're trying to, like, anesthetize him so they can operate on him. But he just won't go down because he's a Time Lord. It's not working on him. And they're panicking. And he's open at this point. And blood's coming out. And they're like, holy shit! Like... We can't. No, they don't realize he's got two hearts. Yeah, this is the thing. thing. I they don't realize yeah. either, and they're just they're going clear, clear, and they're just um, shocking him over and over and over again, and eventually he just gives out. He kind of can't take it. The mix of it is actually established that the Doctor has got like an intolerant, or rather, Time Lords yeah. or Gallifreyans have an intolerance to um, being anesthetized or something like that. Like they, they say something to do with that it is is bad for them or yeah. something. Anyway, he dies. He's essentially tortured to death. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's horrible. Yeah, it's really grim. And they're just like, nah, just some kind of um, John Doe, put him in the morgue. Like, this is a beloved yep. science fiction character. And, from start. and this is how we begin. He is brutalized to death. So he's shot, then tortured to death. Like, little, this is little old Sylvester. No, old Sylvester. He's, he's who is looking and, older, yeah. you know, by this First point? First he's anyway. cut open, and then he's uh, yep. tortured to death, drugged and electrocuted. And, and he and feels pro- it all. probed in and the he heart. he feels it all. Yeah. It's not working on him. It's just, oh, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. that is... So then he's in the morgue, right? And time has gone by, and then lightning and rain starts happening. And we've never seen a regeneration like this, and I don't think we're ever going to see it again. (laughs) No, I don't think we will. And I hope not, because it's horrible. Because... Whereas before we've just had like shining light, like right, basically the light going bright and yeah. like he goes gold, he goes golden wibbly. Well, then he goes golden wibbly in the new ones. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, yeah. Like before, it's just literally been like lights shining uh, out yeah. into the screen and, and then, then the new air going out and then new actor yeah. in the same place or, or to, to that effect. Yeah. 
This his face starts molding around and his chin and his nose are like being manipulated and like his face convulsing and his face is contruding. This is a horror film. It is. It's like it's like Frankenstein. It is. It's like a really awful because like lightning's going off and stuff and uh, and all of a sudden Sylvester McCoy has just been plasticined into fucking <laughs> Paul McGann. He's, he's turned into I. And, yeah. and uh, it's been pointed out in the chat room that we should not forget that they embalmed him. Oh, God! Yes, that is right. <laughs> Thank you for whoever oh, brought that. Thank you very much for bringing that to our attention, because that isn't as horrible. Oh, God. Well, I'm not sleeping tonight. <laughs> it is bad. Basically, this was the, the pilot made in 1996. Yeah. I guarantee someone in a production meeting said, but make it edgy. <laughs> yes, someone definitely said let's that. Get, let's edgy. get all the crow up in this oh shit. Oh my god. I don't think we should really go into the plot of the film. No, it wasn't think? great. It wasn't good at all. The master's in it, uh, the doctor's in it, the doctor doesn't know what the hell he is. Let's just skip over what he says he is in this Oh, movie. don't. Let's not even say Oh, oh, because he says he's half human. Is that right? I hate you. That was the thing we said we weren't going to say. I, I'm just, I just want confirmation because I've, I've only heard... Yes, Brandon. he says that, but he's lying. He's delirious. And then he fights Carmine Falcone, who is the master. Yes, yes. Carmine Falcone. Oh, I will say the, uh, there is only one good bit about that film. Okay. Master turning into a giant snake? Nope. It is at the very beginning, and the very beginning is actually given a voice. There's a voiceover by Paul McGann, despite the fact he hasn't actually regenerated yet. And and it's really cool because it brings you straight back into this sort of the Doctor Who universe, but it's new and it's bold. And um, uh, Paul McGann is saying like it's it's was on the planet Scar that my old enemy, the Master, was finally put on trial. They say he listened calmly as as his list of evil crimes were read and his sentence was passed. And he basically, the master goes on to sort of uh, make one final request, which is that the doctor take his remains uh, back to Gallifrey. And then he says it was a request that should never have been granted. And then the Doctor Who writing sort of just fucking explodes out of space. And the, the theme tune comes in but it's it's orchestrated like they've got like a whole orchestra behind it like we're used to now with the new series yeah, yeah. Um, and it's epic and it's beautiful and then from that moment on so Mr. McCoy gets shot fucking awful <laughs> it's just brutal it's well, I will say the plot is terrible yes but I really enjoyed Paul McGann's portrayal I think he is a fantastic doctor he I is. love his look, I love his performance, and I was so glad to see him come back in the webisode for the 50th anniversary. He it is great to see him get a regeneration. Yes, he is unbelievable. Um, he uh, And if I urge anyone who has the, sl the, the slight inkling of interest for Paul McGann's Doctor to check out Big Finish because he gets some... Um, he is the longest running Doctor. He, he, is, he is technically the longest and the shortest running Doctor. Uh, and he gets some gold in there. Like, he is fantastic. And you're right, um, Night of the Doctor is astounding. Like, for, for how short it is, he is brilliant. He is, he, he, oh man. And, and he's shown such development from the film. They to crammed that, so much characterization into a few minutes. Yeah. The, the, it's not my war, it never was. And yeah. I, I just, I loved that portrayal. And I, I do feel robbed 
of a good Paul McGann series. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that Paul McGann and Rishdi Grant with Nail and I yes. are both huge doctors in the big finish line. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, didn't, didn't Rishdi Grant also play the Vaster in one? He um he actually played uh, the Doctor. The Richie Grant was the Doctor in Scream of uh, Shakala, which was an animated episode. It was actually the unofficial Ninth yes. Doctor, yeah. the unofficial Ninth Doctor. Because um, so those of you who are fans of With Neil and I, in that. So yeah, absolutely. With Neil and I, one of my all-time favorite films. Uh, and yes, both of them have played he, he, the Doctor at some it's point. Also it, again, in the Doctor Who RPG I played in, he was also our second Doctor. Which is cool because you yeah. did a split, didn't you? Yeah. Which is very cool. Very cool idea. Nice one, Troy. Um, but um, <laughs> he regenerated from Simon Pegg. <laughs> That's even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, um, Grant came back in New Who to play the great intelligence. He did, yes, and, and did a rather good job. I was just ashamed. I, I kind of thought he was given sort of a bit of a cop-out end, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about that another time. We'll do a New Who episode. New Who episode. Yeah, a New Who episode. There's just so much... The thing is, there's so much to talk about, you know, uh, you can really ever distill and all the And it's really fair yeah. to say that New Who whilst it makes so many references back and does continue the continuity directly now that we've mm. filled it in, it's yes. its own show. It is it, very much its own show with its, it's own a very values and its own style. So it's yeah. perfectly fair to say that was Doctor Who from 1996 until... Or, well, up to 1996, and then there was nothing apart from Big Finish <laughs> stuff and yeah. books and comics... And the occasional, like, children in need thing, I believe. Oh, that's true. Yeah, time crash yeah. and such. Oh, oh, um, no, you're talking about uh, The Curse of Fatal Death. What? <laughs> the Curse of Fatal Death, penned by Stephen Moffat, with Rowan Atkinson as the Doctor. And then no, also... That, yes. What? I remember. That, I just remember <laughs> when I was very, very little, seeing Doctor Who on TV, and it was like yeah, it's 3D, 3D TV. Like with you got like three D glasses and stuff. And oh, it, I swear it was like some little one off things and they were Roman Atkinson's the Doctor. Like, oh, it's, it's, five Doctors, Time Crash, and things. I swear it was Sylvester McCoy. But no, I, could, well, I could I could have been. Yeah. This was in the fortieth anniversary of Doctor Who, mm. and um, uh, Curse of Fatal Death. It began and it was Rowan Atkinson as the Doctor, and uh, you guys, do you know what I'm talking about? No, you're a madman. <laughs> you know oh my god have none of you seen it no yes not Simon uh, I don't remember it oh I, know, my god. I know of it but I this don't is remember written by, it's written it. by Stephen Moffat and it's fantastic I don't want to tell you what happens are you, are you then. sure this, this Rob is, this are is you the sure? one that has Joanna Lumley as the doctor yes yes yeah, what? I know of it. Oh, good. Oh, it's so, so good. Because that has Richard E. Grant in it as well. And it has Jonathan Price as the master. And he has Dalek Bumps. What? He has his what? Dalek Bumps. He gets Dalek Bumps. See, uh, yeah, Alex knows what I'm Alex talking about. Basically, the, the, the master decides that he wants to upgrade himself. So he gets Dalek Bumps. You know those things on the Dalek side? The that bumps. are bumps? Yeah. half circle. The, mas the master gets them. What? Where boobs should be. <laughs> what? Uh, is this this was comic relief on YouTube? Yeah, it was on comic relief. Yeah. It's it's not like a serious thing, but oh. you got you should watch it. It's really really funny. Um, yeah, it's not continuity. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, oh, oh my god, you should check it out. It's only like it's only like uh, fifteen minutes long. You and know, it's really really well done. You know what? If Peter K can play 
that they absorb thing, a lot. Then you know what? Yes. I, I think all bets are off on what is <laughs> too silly to be canon. That's right, the absorb a lot is one of my least favorite episodes of anything ever. Yeah, and we'll get into why in the new Who episode. I, I, I will. I will stand by you on this because I have also seen that's one of the episodes I have seen from that season that I saw, mm. and I am happy to lay into that shit as well. But you also saw the Satan Pit. Yes, I did. I quite like that episode. Mm-hmm. Episode it was two, wasn't it? Uh, Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. Yeah, yeah. which I I love, and I will talk about extensively. But um, there were yeah. also werewolves and Shaolin monks. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of liked it at the time, but yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, there's so much about Doctor Who that you can't just cram into like a couple of hours talking. And- Trying to cram uh, the 51 years. Of it's one been of difficult. The most epic <laughs> yeah. sci-fi shows ever made. It's been a couple years. of hours. I think we've done all right. We've not done bad. We did kind of give Peter Davidson some short shrift there. Yeah, <laughs> we did. <laughs> Which is a real shame. Wait, 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 wait. Why did he have a stick of celery? Ah, that was because uh, the doctor, the the fifth doctor, it seemed to be only affecting him, and somehow his costume knew it when he regenerated had an allergy mm-hmm. to a gas and mm-hmm. that gas turned celery purple so he it's regenerated that- with an allergy but also a handy leak <laughs> uh, a handy celery that would keep him safe from that allergy i have no idea how time lord regeneration what? works guys but that is actually the reason <laughs> but clearly not the writers right at that point you're right it's because you know i don't know if you ever did that experiment in science when you're at school but you know when you leave celery in like dyed water and then the celery changes color because it's still absorbing the water that's surrounded it, by we did it with carnations at my yeah. school but clearly that's, that essentially, school. that's essentially what you can do in doctor who but with powerful deadly alien radiation <laughs> So, okay, so that, and also, I'd like to say, can, we, can, I just, can I just have, like, a little thing there, and just say, the, the way you were leading into that, Simon, was beautiful, because you were like, ah, the reason for that is because I, honest to God, thought we could just cut the episode there and just go into the, like, the, the closing credit music. Oh, we could. We could. That's, I, the live listeners know, but there is no reason we couldn't just end it there. <laughs> well... But then we'd have no cut-off episodes, so I suppose we could then come back to it and then explain it. What I could do is just cut to the music and then fade out of the music after a couple of seconds. No, that's too cruel. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But there is, is, like we say, so much more to talk about. Um, And we will will talk about it. I am really keen to get on to... Because, oh, man, since I Since... being asked to come back and the, the fact that we might be doing a, a Doctor Who episode on this, um, I have had this theory ticking along in my mind and I've wanted to just let it explode. But awesome. I because I, I think in the new Who episode, crack theories are going to be a thing because you've oh got man. one, I've got one. Yeah, and I've literally just had Zoe asking if she can come on that show and espouse various crazy theories. Oh my God, let's do it. So <laughs> I think it's going to be a... Because we got through... Uh, you know, seven doctors, eight doctors worth tonight. We can we can rush through. Yeah, I mean, we can get through Eccleston in like five minutes. No, we've got to talk about Eccleston a lot. This is amazing. Eccleston is my second favourite of the new doctors, so we're definitely talking about him for a good long time. But he only had a season. And it was a hell of a season. Hell of a season. Yeah, yeah. Hell of a season. 
Yeah. Well, mine. I don't suppose mine's mine's more of a more of a what I want to happen than an actual theory. But uh, I've linked it all together in my Mut- pathetic mutant wishlisting. Yes, mutant wishlisting. Absolutely. We had an episode about that for video games. I've listened to it. See, you're doing very bad as a host because you actually listen to the show. Yeah, <laughs> hosts do. Yeah. Good work, guys. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glad someone thinks so. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so you're very welcome. <laughs> also, you're really throwing into disarray this idea that we only have three listeners. <laughs> I was terrified because I, I only realized the other day how many people you three. Ha- that attached to you on SoundCloud. Yeah, three. Yeah, yeah don't, three. Yeah. That's how you read three. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, go look at the don't, SoundCloud. Don't, don't do it. Don't it's do it. terrifying. Oh, no, it's yeah. not... Even half a million. It's only 433,000 or something. Which is mental. <laughs> and, and believe me, they don't all listen. They've yeah. just, they've oh. just, they're mostly spam bots. They are mostly spam bots, that's true. <laughs> that's amazing. It's I, not, it's, well, I don't know if it is mostly or not, but there's, there's a fair number. Of them. I'd say mostly. I know what our actual listener figures are. <laughs> it's mostly spam bots. Okay, fair enough. Not that we don't have a few thousand listeners these days, but it's nowhere near that number. It's closer to three. Thousand. Yeah, I no, think we better no, no, start. No, just three. It's closer to three than it is to half. It a million. is closer to three than it is to half a million. I'll Therefore, give you that. it's three. Because <laughs> <laughs> only two numbers exist. Three this is how math million. works. At least it's not five. You know what? You're getting very close to the maths of ants in Diamond Age. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, ants, because they exist as this massive hive mind, acknowledge the existence of only uh, two numbers: naught or a million. Because <laughs> um, it's either significant or insignificant. Which huh. hmm, is cool. why when they're walking along with, I can't remember if it's an elephant or it's it's a big clumsy animal who is like, but I'll step on you, and they're like, it's fine, you won't kill more than naught of us. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Diamond Age, Neil Stevenson, very good book. Recommend. So they did um, Snow Crash. It is the same guy. Yes. Cool. In fact, Snow Crash, like one of the archetypal cyberpunk books of all time, really canonized a lot of the black leather and body augmentation and, and leather technology <laughs> and all of that shit. Um, Diamond Age is set in a post-scarcity society where they can grow almost anything, um, and because there is no war of resources culture has started reaching for sort of moral guidance from the past so there's a confucian cult coming out of china there's a victor neo-victorian movement in the west there's uh and it starts with an old school cyberpunk proper black leather body mod subdermal guns he's a he's got you know rollerblades the whole proper snow crash thing, and he's just shot. Uh, and it's Neil <laughs> Stevenson symbolically killing cyberpunk and moving on to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But we'll, uh, we, you know, we could do an episode on snow crash, I think, at some point. Oh, yes. Yeah, because I'm going to read that soon, because Rowan's just, I think, finished it. We finished it on the plane back from, uh, from Bucharest. 
Uh, by the way, massive shout out to the city of Bucharest and indeed the entire province of Valencia. I hear it's amazing. It is marvellous and I suggest everyone go, but not if you're a recovering smoker or a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably do, we should probably talk more about your adventures there because you still haven't told me anything about. It's fine, we'll do that. We can do that on an episode. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like, yeah. I like cool for you to talk I like feeling it. like the, the listeners are part of the family. Oh. I will tell them about my travels to Romania and my troubles with Romanian legs. But yeah, I'm all up for doing a book club episode about snow crash and then all our listeners can listen to reason cool ah <laughs> uh, yeah uh he's, he's gonna never mind <laughs> you'll just wait till the episode comes out alex you'll know <laughs> yes that pun will be explained on a later episode yeah um right cool so that's doctor that's old who that's old classic, classic who. <laughs> yeah sort of but yeah and sort if of. it's like coke we'll then have new who for a bit and then we'll go back to classic who and everyone will be grateful yeah some people um, would argue because a lot of people don't like moffat's writing that that process is underway yeah um mm. if you if you liked this episode then we have uh, a couple of suggestions one is go and listen to the greatest show in the galaxy absolutely uh, yeah um, i'm going to it yeah. sounds awesome there you go. <laughs> uh, the other one is continue listening to world one stage one because we're going to have more of this coming up soon uh, as well as more episodes about a lot of other things in in general general nerdity well you got you need to teach now because yeah. I am, I am you, here in my ignorance. You've, so you you've can teach done me quite things. a good job of leading this episode, I'd say. So yes, so next no. we're going to make you the whipping boy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, continue listening to us. Uh, World One, Stage One. Continue, list, uh, start listening and or continue listening to uh, the Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Also, go and listen to some big Finnish Doctor Who. Also, go watch Curse of Fatal Death. Uh, just just do Doctor Who things. if you haven't. Yeah. Also, yeah. go to simplysyndicated.com where you'll find a whole wealth of podcasts on all sorts of subjects. Oh, uh, absolutely. I'm not saying don't listen to what, like, all of them. Just, <laughs> just these. I mean, if, if you really like Doctor Who, but you haven't listened to that show, do it. And also listen to us, because, you know, plug, 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 plug. But I don't know why we have to plug ourselves on our own show. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. Every little uh, help. Indeed, we yeah. will plug ourselves. So follow us on Twitter at W1S1. Get in touch with us on the Tumblers, world1stage1.tumblr.com. Please do. Find us on Facebook. We are World One Stage One. Uh, come talk to us. Give us suggestions for episodes. Tell us what you think. Uh, review us on iTunes. That's awesome, if you can do that. Uh, yeah. We like that one. Well, we actually, yeah. Only, I promise, I won't insult you. <laughs> for your opinions alone, unless you're okay. from Coventry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, sure you know what? We are we are like one step away from eventually. Once we start doing these let's plays and stuff, from getting them like properly out on YouTube as groups and stuff, we are one step away from begging for likes, comments, and subscribes, which we will do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I also I also want to do a Doctor Who video game. Uh, do you mean the, do you mean the old point. arcade game? The, 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 there are some ridiculous Doctor Who games. I'm not going to go into them now, but they're hysterical. Okay. I'm tempted to set up a Patreon to fund World One Stage One Expeditions to do crazy shit and do episodes about it. But I just Good have idea. this horrible feeling we'd end up with like two dollars a month. Yes. Um, so you know I probably I could probably that. find us some interesting things to do. In the Carpathians for two dollars. Oh fuck! <laughs> I, oh wow. god! Because <laughs> two dollars is about ten lei. I can think of a few things to do with ten lei in the middle of the Carpathians. We'd have to just get there. That's the only issue. That is the know, issue. Sorry, I was just going to say. Did you know that um, lays are walkers, but European? 
It's not the same kind of lay. Is it not? No, no. Lay is <laughs> Romanian lay. L e i. It means lion. It's the currency. What you speak of does not exist. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course that's, it does. That's five lay. That's really nice. That's, actually, that's two hundred and five lay right there. Look at that hair. Hang on, hang on. There's another fifty-one lay right there. They have see-through money. Stuff see. Sorry, sorry. It's all right. Simon will put pictures of Romanian currency in the show notes. Oh, will I? <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> you kind of have to. No, no, I think Jack will put it on the Tumblr as he brought it up. Oh, fine, I will. And you know what? I'm going to put it up now. So until this episode comes out, there is no content for it. Excellent. That's the best kind of post on the top. <laughs> but in two uh, weeks' time, when this episode comes... What? Week's time? Two yes. Weeks next time? week it'll come out. The week next, after so that, we do our next episode. Next week, if you're a follower of the Tumblr. Although this week, if you're listening to this... Oh, yeah, live people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love you. Live. And also, people who download it this week, it will be there. Mm, yes, really? this oh, week. Oh, God, yeah, because live... Because that's how time works. Oh, yes. shut up, I'm confused. <laughs> Have you learned nothing from time? No, I'm just more confused, because the London Underground is a Yeti, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Then we have our bumper. Anyway. Um, well, no, no, we need to have a cliffhanger because all good Doctor episodes end with a cliffhanger. All right, I'll go, I'll go climb the roof and I'll... Um... No, Jack, don't! Did oh. that work? Did that work? Was that good? <laughs> it was up until you said that. <laughs> and, and generally we say goodbye. <laughs> well, three of us could say goodbye. <laughs> you know what? what? You know what? Let's, not, let's not mess with the formula, <laughs> shall we? This is like going back to the episode when Jack got thrown out the window. <laughs> I remember that. Wow. Which episode? I need to listen I to don't it. remember that. <laughs> I remember being thrown out the window. I don't remember when. Oh, yeah, this the TARDIS is bigger on the inside. And oh yes, with that, I have been Simon. I have been Jack. Oh, is it Irish? Oh, you just talked over him. <laughs> right, we're going to start again. I have been Simon. I have been Jack. I have been Irish. And I've been Rob. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Farewell.